Flesh and Blood Down Under. Whoop, whoop. Who have we got tonight, John? We have the Fab DB guy. I, I don't even know his <laughs> name either. Welcome, he, Kirk. He's, he's known Thank as you. Kai Bay or Kirk. Kirk's the real name. It's effectively Kai B. Kai B, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Angel says Kai Bay, and I still haven't corrected him on it. <laughs> don't correct him. <laughs> no, that's right. Welcome, man. Thank you. So, Kirk is local to us, Sydney guy. Mm. Although. Not as active in the fab player scene. Unfortunately. Because you've got a million other things you do. Yeah. But uh, local, as in we saw you at the calling. Uh, you could drive here in the evening, which is great. Nice. Not in uh, peak hour, which is even better. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Good to be here. I have, look, John and myself, we both have a burning question. You know, and I want to come out guns are blazing. Mm-hmm. You are the creator of FabDB. Yep. Correct? Yep. Great website, great resource for the community, but you must have some insights that a lot of others don't. So tell us, Kirk, is flesh and blood growing? Is it shrinking? Is traffic to your site increasing or decreasing? Have you seen trends? Like, talk to us. Is fab dying, like the naysayers are saying? Tell us, and be truthful. Don't you code anything? Let us know. Yeah, so uh, first things first, you, you won't hear a lie ever out of this mouth. Awesome. Uh, uh, unfortunately, that's actually gotten me into trouble a few times. So uh, not everyone appreciates uh, brutal honesty. So uh, yeah, you won't get anything else. Um, look, at the moment, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, I've definitely seen an ups, uh, sort of uptick in traffic recently. Uh, the 2020 uh, and 2021 sort of spikes from the various sets and the growth of the community were uh, huge, to, to say the least. Um, you're sort of talking about sort of 10, 20-fold growth um but the past six months has been much more sort of conservative in regards to sort of how the uh, how the project is growing uh, and that's across all the websites um i will say one thing though i think there's a lot of more content out there so wrath times doesn't any get it get as much traffic as it was getting uh, originally um like september through december january last year was uh, really big for wrath times <coughs> but it's quite down since then but for fabdb um to give you guys some some insights the sort of monthly traffic I was looking at was getting close to about half a million uh, visits uh, per month, uh, which is good. You know, it's a sort of a respectable number for, for any website, but that's come down considerably in the, in the last six months. Um, but the number of users are sort of t- seems to keep growing. So, which is an interesting pattern in the sense that it means that um, the people that are on there aren't coming back as often, um, but there's more users hopping on there, which is, which is kind of interesting. Um, so the growth, it seems now on FabDB seems to be very tightly tied to the actual set releases, uh, which I think is actually fairly common for most TCGs. It's just the last few years, because the growth has been so strong, you couldn't really see where the set releases were. It was just like everything was just going up. Um, but yeah, with uh, Everfest was massive. Uh, I thought that sort of hit, I think, 9 or 10K um, users a day on that, which was phenomenal. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's come down considerably since then. It's now sitting about 7,000 uh, a day. So still, still good, still happy, but it's not um, the sort of as a sort of superstar growth it was having uh, in the community has definitely sort of died off a bit which is a bit unfortunate so how, how um, does up how did uprising look 
Uh, not as strong as Everfest, actually, uh, but it seems to be holding better than Everfest. Mm. So whereas Everfest was kind of like a really sort of strong spike and then came down considerably by about to about half where it was at the peak, uh, Uprising has come down up, come up to about I say eighty percent of where Everfest hit, but it's actually maintaining that traffic, uh, which Everfest didn't do for some reason. So Uprising seems to have a bit more longevity that uh, Everfest didn't have, which I thought was pretty interesting. Fair. Are you seeing trends? Like, are you seeing uh, more people uh, looking at? Um I guess, like uh, competitive deck lists or casual deck lists or blitz or constructed or other facets or, or building their own decks, you know, c- can you talk on that? Any sort of trends that you've picked up on or what does a typical user do nowadays on FabDB? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of tricky. Um, the vast, vast majority of users... Uh, or players, I should say, uh, in the game are always going to be casual, and that's true of pretty much any TCG. Um, I consider myself very casual as well. I'd love to be able to compete more, but it just, I just can't. Uh, and we'll talk about that a bit more as to why I can't. And it's not just about sort of uh, the projects, there's other things going on, but, um, but casuals are always going to be sort of the mainstay of it. Um, and you know, James released some stats a little while ago now, sort of putting at the player base at around about a quarter of a million players. Um, and FabDB at least sort of services about 10% of that. Um, in terms of the total number of users that are actually on there. So about so between twenty five and 30,000 users. Um, but I would wager that most of those users are actually not so casual. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're actually more interested in sort of developing a competitive deck. They're researching their decks, looking into all sorts of things like that. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of drive and um, energy at the moment for sort of competitive deck lists and that sort of thing. And so, you know, there's a lot of websites like Fab Meta uh, that are doing those, so that sort of thing. Uh, and that's sort of partly why Tech Labs was built as well, just kind of um, help support that aspect of the community. Those are just after stats and analytics and want to see the top decks and that sort of thing. Um, and so one of the things I really want to do for Tech Labs is actually to start developing deck archetypes. So sort of find the top eight for Briar, for example, what do those decks look like and sort of how... Uh, how likely to see certain certain cards of that within that deck? So, and that's a bit trickier. So I'm still working through that one. The it's tricky with no digital client. Like you have to get stats. You can't. Yeah. Get yeah. The like data aggregation is a pain in the ass. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> thankfully like, it's all automated now. This stuff. I was talking to my brother about this. Like he plays Hearthstone. Uh, you know, think of a game like League of Legends as overlays that record your game stats and yes. sends it to add an aggregate. Yep. But you're talking like five million live players a day. Yeah, so insane stats. You can pick a hero in league, and there's whatever a hundred something heroes, and it'll tell you fifty three percent win rate on this build. Yeah, like it, you don't need to think much. I guess yeah. whoever pilots it matters, but you can immediately go to the best. The builds at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can sort of get that with the top eight placements, uh, and that's what Tecla Labs does. Um, I'd really love to get like all of the decks that are sort of uh, particularly in sort of like worlds and that sort of thing where you've got, you know, 900, 1,000 decks sort of in, in play um, for those events. But unfortunately, they just don't get published. So unless you're talking directly with the event creators or the event managers, sorry, and they're dealing with it that way, uh, then no, that's... Can I make a suggestion? Mm, absolutely. Actually, you did put out on Twitter, in all fairness, I think you were talking... I put out a lot on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I noticed you dug up someone's very old post today and laughed at it. I was like, why is this on my feet? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's Kirk. <laughs> um, no, so the suggestion is one thing. I, I use your service like a, like a fiend. I just bought a master set of every card in the game. Oh, wow. So nice. I can actually build any deck I want. Fantastic. Do you know what FabDB is lacking? What? It doesn't give me the card number and the set. Like, it doesn't say Mon 101 next to the card it would make my like i think it would make a lot of people's life easier to go dig out the card uh where did you have in, that in, data? What, in what location though it definitely does it on the card database okay so here's what i'm saying yeah. uh, i don't so 
let's let's have a discussion. Absolutely. I I built a drove my pummel deck. Mm-hmm. I built it on my PC because it's way quicker than building it in FabDB than yep. it ever is in paper, right? Yeah. Because you know you just make a mess. So I built it. Now I got to pick how to export it because I want to come out here to my lounge room, put cards on the floor on a play mat and find them, right? Gotcha. So what I do is I, I print in grayscale a one sheet. Usually oh, okay. I'll print the deck submission form because it's the most concise. Yep. But you can also output it as text. Yep. And you can output it. There's a third way. I can't remember. Either way, none of them are efficient for me to go build the deck because none of them show me the... So, so you're just looking at the card numbers. Go, I've got three of those. Bam, bam, bam. Well, it's a bit trickier than that because I'm printing in gray. This is like real feedback because it's like a day-to-day problem for mm-hmm. me. Um, Question though. Yeah. Does that mean that you're sorting your cards alphabetical or number? But this is exactly what I'm talking to Kirk about. Yeah, yeah. I know. So <laughs> what, what it why is- why aren't you sorting your, your cards your, alphabetical? One sec. Settle because down. it's not the only way. No, I'm, I, I I'm do just, it by number Just as one well. sec. Just one sec. I'll, oh, you, when, okay. You'll understand where I'm going with it and it, that's exactly the point, right? I personally have it sorted by number mm-hmm. from number one to 180 in- Because in you're a collector. Road. That's right. But that's how it is in my folder. It yep. looks the best that way in the folder as well. Yep. But even if it was alphabetical, right now when FabDB, so if I go the tournament registration, mm-hmm. is that alphabetical right yes. now? There you go. I would love to see an export to build the deck with the card number next to it. Because yep. I personally am pulling it out of binders in numerical order. So if it goes Mon 101, I can go exactly to the right page of my binder and pull out Mon 101. Yep, now, okay. I can visually tell by looking at the card what it is because I've seen the card before. Yep. But realistically, if all you gave me was the card numbers, it would be quicker than reading the name. Yeah, for sure. And the data's there. So if you have a yes. way to output and then you know it says re- tournament registration, it goes copy text, which is useful as well. It'd be great if there was a button that said, or just that the text version actually gave the card number. Yeah, I can probably, um, a lot of the exports now are direct to the PDF. Mm. Uh, there's a zip export as well, which has a few files in there. So I could probably just add another one to the zip file. Or just in one of the, like, obviously the time. Literally, literally just like a list, right? Just like, blah, 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 these yeah, are all the cards. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I just know that I personally have them sorted that way. And I'm like, <clears throat> wait Why do you sort by number and not alphabet? That's what I don't <laughs> get. You're First, I'm new to card games. This is this is a good thing. I never did this in Magic Pokemon. Nothing. This yeah. is my first. So I'm way ahead of where I was six months ago. Like Magic the, didn't have that at capability either. It was all by card name. You couldn't do it by number, especially the earlier cards didn't have any printing. See, of the that's card why. But for me, the card number makes way more sense in my head because it's like it's numbered. M O N is the set. I find that folder. Yeah. One hundred one is what's well, X amount. Like it's twelve cards per sheet. So I got to go yeah. X amount of sheets deep, and I will find it straight yeah. away. Yeah. Alphabetical to me would actually take me longer, but maybe it's more efficient. Well, my relationship with FabDB when I first found the site was through our mutual friend, owner of Blood Rush Gaming up on the Central Coast. Mm. Big shout out to Ollie. He owns a store, does a lot of card sorting. Yep. And my, they're still out of control, but I had piles of cards everywhere. And I'm like, geez, I need to start sorting cards. <laughs> so, Ollie, how the hell do you sort, sort these cards efficiently? He said to me, go to FabDB. You can do the whole set, hmm. whatever it was. Monarch, alphabeticalize on <coughs> FabDB, and that's what I'll do. I would sort my binders based on how the uh, the visual um, description how the was, how, how the cards were displayed <coughs> on your website. Yep. God, it was so easy. Hmm. And, and how they're displayed on your website when they're sorted alphabetically, that's how they appear in my folders. Yep. And I sorted my – because, you know, it's very hard for a store to sort – by card number, like if they're finding cards for a customer, it's probably much easier 
to go by it, you know. Yeah, I, I would say so as well. So, yeah, yeah and, you know. As the game grows, yeah. The yeah. yeah. I, I, sort, I sorted by number because I, I was collecting master sets and so of each set, so I wanted to see it exactly as it was printed. And so I, at one point I knew, if you just told me a number in ARC or WTR, I was like, yeah, it's, it's this card. And mm, I, right. I knew it was. Um, but I also sort of knew how the sets were laid out in terms of like the heroes, their arrangements, um, you know, sort of, you know, the... the, the well, there's the a lot of logic to... The majestics, yeah. There's a lot of mm. logic to fab if you go by number because yeah. it goes... Hero, 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 generic. But like it's a pattern you have to learn still. Whereas if you're going alphabetically, you don't need to learn the pattern. So I'm, I'm not <clears> like arguing which one's better, but when you buy a master set, which I just did, it's by number. Yep. And everyone's different too because the ordering actually of the cards in fab to have changed quite a few times. Mm. One of them was perfor- performance reasons because of all the printing stuff I had on there. Uh, and so it was originally by number. And so then I changed, oh, I'll change the alphabetical. I think that makes more sense to everybody anyway. And then there's a huge bunch of people that's like, what have you done? Like, what's happening with the ordering? And so I eventually ended up changing it back because I fixed the performance issue. And then everyone's like, why is it changing away from alphabetic? So I ended up just adding a sort filters. Like, <laughs> everybody's different. So everybody's going to sort it by different things. But that, that could be expanded as well, I think, to you know, order by hero, order by class, order by whatever. I actually made a video on that. It was one of my, I think, first couple of months doing YouTube videos. I, I made a specific video explaining people how to sort cards alphabetically using FabDB. Right, okay. And it was quite it was quite popular, got a good response. But yeah, yeah it right. saved me a lot of time. Yeah. A lot of time using the website because I literally just looked at the images on the FabDB website yeah. and just mirrored that into my folders. Yeah. So it was, yeah. Quick question easy. for you though, hot take. Boarded or borderless? For what? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. no. So FabDB has a feature on there where you can turn off the borders on all the cards. And so you see them with completely without borders. I've noticed actually quite a few people do like it borderless. So whenever I see a card that's posted online somewhere and it's got no border, I go, that's gone from FabDB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's right. Okay. It took you a lot of time to do that, didn't it? Not really. Um, I use a, a website called Imagex, which allows you to do all sorts of um, real-time image manipulation right. on all your images. Um, and it's relatively cheap for what you're getting for it. So I just go, yep, crop this much. Why did you do that? What's the purpose of that feature? I, I liked it without the borders. Right. Yeah. Okay. Most of the stuff on Fab2B the, came the from things that erroneous. I wanted to use and wanted to do. Yeah. So, Like LSS would give a borderless image to the printer. The the real raw image of a card would be borderless and then they have to print it with a border when they print it. I... Because you could look at the mark. No, like, I don't know if that's true because pr- uh, printings usually want that you want like a bleeding edge that's on what all I'm the saying. prints. Yeah. No, no, but because I'm from the... Well, worked in the print industry for long enough, it's... That white border is is for the rollers in the printer to grab it, basically. Oh, the, okay, on the fair outside, right? Oh. They can't. So now, yeah, they print on big sheets, but they got to cut and stuff. So you'll notice centering on. And then you get the full arts. You're like, oh my you, god! Yeah, but they're worse. Ruined. Usually, the centering <laughs> yeah, on yeah, the yeah. front because yeah. there's there's less. So the suggestion I was going to say before, uh, which would benefit you and the whole community. So maybe something. Obviously, you speak with LSS uh, James directly. Just ask him. Why can't we just officially register through FabDB. For events. So, so what I'm saying is when they go, Pro Tour Lil is coming, register your deck and it lets you register through FabDB that links into LSS. Like it just is yep. done. <coughs> yeah, so... Because right now it's, we go FabDB, export, and then I got to give like a paper copy to the TO. Yeah, so this has been on my mind for a long time. Mm. And actually there's a whole event management system on FabDB that hasn't really been utilized yet. Um, and actually when COVID hit, I had to talk to James and said, look, I want to get a, kind of get events and stuff moving through FabDB, tighter integration with TTS and do all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> and I said, you know, I just want to charge stores sort of small, like $5 a month or something, you know, super cheap. And James sort of speaks again to sort of um, his integrity and sort of them as a company is, he basically like don't charge the stores because he wanted the game to go. He didn't want any further hindrance to it at all, even five bucks a month. He's like, we'll pay for whatever store signs up. Wow. 
And I didn't feel right about that. So I kind of just stopped. I was like, this is, doesn't feel right to me. So I'm not going to do that. Um, despite the fact that he's basically, you know, almost like an open checkbook. Whoever I can sign up, you know, he'll do it. Um, but <clears throat> it didn't, didn't, didn't feel right. So I just didn't, didn't do that. But um, coming back to your point regarding events and submissions, the event system is already in place. Players can actually sort of register for events. They can submit their decks as well. Mm. It's just that missing piece between sort of Gem and FabDB to kind of get that working. But for FabDB <clears throat> reasons, if Worlds is coming... There's no one in the world whose deck won't be important enough for me to check it. Now, it can't be yeah, available I'm going to have to watch day. out for the budget on the PDF generator on that one as well before <laughs> that happens. But do you get what I mean? Like, how good would it be if the only way to register your deck to, the, to a calling is to register it in FabDB with your blah, 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 player number and that, but it actually puts it in a, in a list that you get? Because right yeah. now, I'm assuming you're not saving everyone's list when they go export. Like... There uh, might be. What I'm saying I is, I don't you, think it does. No. Well, well, you wouldn't know what event it's for, right? Like, even though we type <laughs> it, it's not officially for calling Utrecht. It's just someone typed in calling Utrecht. You, you get the, you get what I mean. Is you're not, you don't have a data point where you can go calling decks. Uh, f sorry, Pro Tour. Oh, for, for, decks, no, 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 no. And you get every deck from that because yeah, it was officially registered by the tournament organizer in FabDB. Yeah, the, the only way that could happen is if we have the event system set up and people are using it mm. um, and it submits that way. So, you know, I, I could make a sort of a big bit more, like a bit more noise about the, the feature and do it that way. Um, but it, in reality, what I really want from LSS, James, <laughs> is um, API access mm. to Gem. Um, so I can register players, I can get all sorts, because then- Sorry, can you just, for dummies <laughs> like me, API, what's Oh uh, yeah, so- um, uh, API stands for Application Progr Programmable Interface, which effectively just means that you have sort of this external system that you can talk to uh, and do things. And that happens at programming levels and sort of network levels. So that's an things. interface into the GEM system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they, they would <coughs> expose a public API, which we could then uh, talk to from FabDB and then do all sorts of operations on that. Uh, and the cool thing about that then, uh, if people are using FabDB for submissions, is that I then have access to decks that are being used for events that aren't just top eight. Um, and so then we get our sort of a real understanding in regards to yep. how to cards perform um, on the meta. And so. it's tying to win rates and stuff. Eventually that data yes. is very important. <coughs> yep. Like if you get the... So if when I register, so car, cars on Techler Labs do have win rates. They all sure, have win yeah, rates. Yeah, yeah. But, it's but only if, top I, eight, if I register for my local armory, but it's run through FabDB, which is the whole point, is what you're saying. And then my my crazy pummel drama, who no one's played yet, ends up winning. Yeah, the win rate will be like a hundred percent the day it comes out, right? But people yep. could see that, and then over time, you could actually see these weird brews, not from world champions necessarily, but they're like <laughs> performing in a local yep. meta. Well, will trickle up. Yes. You'll actually learn a lot more than just listening to the couple of talking heads that do this as content. Correct. Because you can go dig in the data. You Because there'll be decks that have won, played four games, won four games, right? That's just an anomaly. But you'll get like, right now people look at, oh, Bolton's not a meta deck, but it's top eight showing as a conversion percentage was the highest. Yes. And that's like a good signal if you're trying to find an off meta deck to play is yes. to find low, low... Uh, low deck, low showing decks. Like there was only eight of them out of eight hundred players, but two of them made it to the top eight. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. kind of data would be a lot more readily available if every local event was saved in. You get a couple of years of that, and it's nuts what you can see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird uh, if you look at the top eight 
uh, stats on uh, Tech Labs, effectively what you can see sometimes in some cards is you might only have one deck with one particular card that places in top eight or even just wins an event, and it's the only deck that shows up with that card. So it's yeah. like some real spicy shit. Uh, and it's really interesting because that card shows like a hundred percent kind of win rate, but it's only had actually one placement. Yes, or that, so that's, one but this is the stuff that <clears throat> actually will point you towards stuff that can win. Yes, because it's out of the blue; like no one's expecting it. Yeah, suddenly it's in there, and yeah. It's very cool. Tell us about the other projects. So obviously FabDB is the big one that people know you <coughs> for. Yeah. Rate times came before or after? Oh no, way after. Oh, I should say why it wasn't it wasn't that late. Mm. Um but FabDB launched November twenty nineteen. Uh and then Wrath Times was launched in twenty twenty one. So pretty much almost a year and a half after FabDB. But I'd had the idea for Wrath Times probably since January or February twenty twenty. Uh, in the sense that FabDB actually had articles yes. sort of right for it. Um, but it wasn't a very good content system. It was all sort of scratch built. I wasn't using a CMS to do it. Um, and I don't mind scratch building things, but if you can't make a, a good going of it, I, I just get kind of pissed off personally. So yeah. <clears throat> just a question again, <clears throat> you know, I'm not a computer program nut. I don't know any of that, but just, you know, entertain me here. Is there a world in which you would, move all these projects, Ray Times, Techo Labs, all under the Fab DB banner? Like, is that <clears throat> something that, you know, you've thought about or, you know, reasons why you didn't go down that way? Like, I always, whenever I look at Fab DB, you know, the big gorilla in the room, you've probably played Magic yourself. It's MTG Goldfish, right? Mm. It's like, <clears throat> I'm sure I'm sure you're pretty, you know, versed in looking at that mm. and seeing what they provide. Like, is that... Why did you decide to split things up into different websites, different projects, and just sort of having this one mothership that you go to one site and it has it all there? Yeah, it's a really good question for starters. Um, and it's something I still uh, sort of worry about a little bit, whether it was the right move to split the projects up. But the the long and short of it is that if I want to do things properly on these projects without turning them into monoliths, so monoliths in sort of the programming world means that you just have one massive code base. Um, it becomes harder to manage for starters uh, to, as you get team members on board, you're opening up your entire system to everybody straight away. Uh, but the, the, the real reason why I did it is because <clears throat> if I have Wrath Times, for example, as its own separate project, I can use different tooling, I can use different languages, I can use, so basically I can use the right tools for the job depending on what the, what the project is. Uh, so for Wrath Times, that meant finding a content management system that was going to support all the requirements I have for Wrath Times, including potentially in the future uh, multilingual support as well, which is something I want to do, like start, start publishing content in Spanish or whatever. Um, and I'm not just talking about translations, like actually taking on sort yep. of flesh and blood players who speak Spanish and want to write um, Spanish content. Um, uh, if I was to build that system or use that on FabDB, it could definitely work. And we did have content on there, but I felt that having its own space not crowded with everything else effectively makes it an easier go-to for people. And also it makes it re easier to reason from a business perspective as well. It's like, you know, do I increase costs on FabDB for everybody to kind of access content? Do I have um, different tiers, all that sort of thing, uh, which is what we do on Patreon or, you know, I don't know. But um, I have had people ask me before, like, why don't we do article content on FabDB? And we used to, but I just wasn't happy with the, with the end result. So, um, and then Techler Labs, you'll definitely see more integration between FabDB and Techler Labs in the future. So uh, cards on FabDB will certainly start showing um, card rankings um, from Techler Labs, direct from Techler Labs. And then just, you know, if you want to see more information, you sort of click on that and then go to Techler Labs. Um, there's other things from Techler Labs I really want to do. Um, sort of there's certain deck analytics that, I think makes more sense on FabDB rather than Techler Labs. So setting up integration as well. Uh, but again, Techler Labs uses technology. Like the tech stack set up to do data aggregation on Techler Labs is um, 
One I'm very proud of because it uses a graph databases to, oh, I won't go into too much detail there, but basically a graph databases enable me to do really interesting queries against the relationships between objects. So let's say, you know, um, Fiona Spring Tunic and, you know, Bravo, star of the show. If I want to see their relations and sort of how they interact on the global stage together, I use a graph database for that. If I'm using sort of a relational database, those queries become very tricky and non-performant very quickly. Um, and so again, if I had that all on FabDB, I've now got sort of MySQL on my main database. I've got another database for Tech Labs. I've got another one for Times all together. And it just becomes a bit harder to manage over time. So, mm. it's it's. I can't imagine. Look, this the integration bit is probably um, the way to go. It'd be cool to like click onto a a top eight deck and it's linked to the article of someone explaining it or do you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, that, that kind yeah. of integration. Right. Yeah, so we will do that in the future. Yeah, Raft Times will have its content um, aggregated to mm. FabDB at some point. Because I personally, I don't like. I I like the. I, I'm building a site. I think I've sent you the link. It's very minimalist. I like the less information the yeah. better because yeah, I get too. very. I don't. If if your site looked like. MTG Goldfish, which I've visited once. Oh, I'd right click and get out. <laughs> for, for, for me, it's a bit, but also I know from from being a tech kid, basically those sites always started simple and then they kept adding. Yes. So if you yeah, if exactly. you used it for ten years, you're familiar enough that it doesn't scare you with the fifty things on the screen. But the first visit, you're like, eh, too much. And they've got all well, the ads stuff on there as well, which I just don't like. Yeah, like FabDB is you go on, it's pretty obvious what you're looking at yeah. straight away. There's and I actually think there's too much on there. Like there's, there's information on the card pages that I actually want to get rid of. because. But, I but think it's, it's not it's not too scary as a first no. visit. Like no. the first time I saw FabDB, I worked it out. It didn't, like I didn't need two or three prods by a friend. No, no, that's where you go to build a deck. And yes. I was, it, it was, it's quite straightforward. Yep. But the integration would be cool. And the integration of the card, like being able to highlight a Labs button and it shows you command and conquer in the deck you're building is a 20% or 80%. Yeah. It'd so, be cool. Yeah, so the long-term goal actually for Tecla Labs is to actually create a recommendation engine for FabDB. That was the whole point. Yeah. So it's great to kind of see these ah, like stats. to help you build a deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you, you can go let's with a blank deck and it goes, we'd recommend these no, are the No, top. no, no, no. It goes no? further than that. So let's say, for example, you've um, set up Bravo and you've got um, Anothos something there and maybe a couple of other cards, pieces of equipment. And you're like, okay, well, where can I take this? It'll so you ask for a recommendation, whatever, and then it'll ask Tech Labs, and Tech Labs will basically just like sort out through stats. Go, okay, these are the mo cards you most likely see with these ones, um, or do you want to see the least likely ones? Like, do you want spice? Yeah, uh, you know, so those sorts of things. So yeah, wild um, card. <laughs> yeah, and that'll be completely free. Like that won't be locked behind subscriptions or anything like that. It's just like I think that's gonna be an awesome feature. Man, what you we should tell the community and definitely me and I'm sure Paul as well. If if part of getting this stuff to work the best is to get stores signed up to the events or something, you just tell us what like because that's <laughs> all data. No. But it's all that's the more data you have, the better, right? Yeah, I mean, it makes Tecla Labs way more powerful. Yeah, the more did if all it is is shops management. to sign up, send me a link. I will get like we'll talk to Ollie. I'll, I'll I funnily enough, I run some events. I yep. don't. I run um drafts downstairs like once a week. Yep. <laughs> like I mean, I mean, we could do test runs with you if you like. I mean, no, but I, I had um every, any Galea. armory I go to, I'm pretty sure I could go. Can we try this? It puts all the data in. I think yep. people will be up for the, it. The challenge there is, um, I got Michael Galea who ran um, IC Crew Games. Mm. Um, awesome guy. I really love. Shout out to Michael. Um, he, I got him to use it, but the immediate pushback from the players is basically like, why isn't this on Facebook? Like, why are you doing events through through FabDB? Um, and so that's a serious challenge. You know, it's like, it's a, it's a fair question. Like everybody's used to using fa Facebook, but the power of using FabDB to manage events, mm. receive deck submissions, validate them straight away. So you don't even have to look at the decks um, and then have them come through, you know, without having to have to do printoffs or anything is yeah, like, sublime. If you think about it this way, you physically can't submit an illegal deck on FabDB. If you're oh, no, you, you can actually. No, but 
Can you? Yeah, yeah. So say, for example, there are ways to do it. So no, uh, don't tell me. <laughs> no, no, no. But like, it's, it's, it's good to know because sure. um, there are certain things that you can do with when you're managing a deck where it doesn't do validation. So if you change the deck format, for example, which is a critical, critical one. So if you change from constructed to blitz and you've got three cards of sure. something in there, it's not going to automatically validate it. What I'm saying, though, is usually when you build a deck, yeah. you can't go over the card limit. No. Which the is biggest problem has actually been the PDF export. There's been a couple of occasions where maybe a card isn't rendered properly or it's gone right. off the edge. I was like, shit. Yeah. Oh, look, I've no, there's Because I've actually had players who have received warnings, unfortunately, because their deck wasn't quite right. And then they're okay because they were actually missing a card, not adding a card. Yes. Uh, but yeah. Bit, That's fair. Bit. <laughs> so you obviously know your tech. Talk to us. How Have you always had a passion for computer mm. programming? When did that start? Like you said before, you, you know, you've grown up on the East Coast of Australia. Yep. Like- were you always into computers and programming? Like, you know, I'm quite interested in that because I know <clears throat> I've got some friends myself. They wanted to be computer programmers, went to uni, started a computer science degree and found out very quickly that computer programming wasn't for them. Yeah, uh, I think for most people going the computer science route is the, is the wrong way to do it. Sure. Uh, because you, you get thrown in some really hectic stuff straight away. Mm. And I didn't really get into the computer science stuff until quite late in my career because then I was... A, had a good programming background, but also too, there was things I was wanting to do sort of in gaming and other things was like, I actually kind of need some of that theory to kind of get things working. Um, so yeah, if you're heading down that route, it's, it's, I, I, I liken it to mathematics in school. If you don't have sort of a realistic application for the mathematics you're learning, a lot of kids are just like, why the fuck are we learning mm. mathematics? Like this is a waste of time. And then you're so 15, 20 years, like I actually really like doing calculus in my spare time now. Just, it's a fun thing to do for me. I'm, I'm a nerd. <laughs> Um, but back in school, I couldn't see any use, use for it. it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I just find it, obviously, I actually ended up failing mathematics sort of later, I think it's cool. But coming back to your question, um, my dad bought a Commodore 64 when I think I was seven or eight. Um, and so I was utterly blown away by that. And I actually remember him getting in trouble by my mum <laughs> when he did that. <laughs> it wasn't money he was meant to be spending, but anyway, uh, it set me up for life, really. And um, I, he brought home these uh, uh, Commodore 64 magazines. And C64 Magazine had these uh, pages and pages and pages of hex codes. And basically what you did is you open up a particular program in, um, on the Commodore and then basically just type in manually all these codes. And then if you got it right, you got to run a program. And if you got it wrong, well, you got to figure something else to do with the rest of your day. Um, so that is what planted the seed. Uh, and then I, when I was 13, I actually ended up buying my own PC. Uh, but that was more for gaming. And I didn't work out that I actually wanted to do uh, programming stuff until I was 17 or 18. Okay. Um, started building websites and it started with gaming actually so you know all this is quite um, heavily related and uh, I was like you know running clans and all sorts of things and I wanted to build websites for those clans to help the players and sort of keep us all well managed what game? Uh, that was for Starcraft original Starcraft yeah cool um, me and my friends played that a lot and then it sort of moved into Counter-Strike and Quake 3 and that sort of stuff um, but it started there so building websites to sort of support my my hobby really. Yep. And not from a financial perspective, just I found it really interesting to have sort of the players registered and you know, doing that way. So it started there. And then when I was uh, 18, uh, I was literally was a loser. I was doing nothing with my life. Uh, and mum sent me to this, basically like a tech, small sort of government funded tech course. We sort of there for three months. And that's where I got introduced to PHP, which is a programming language. And then that just, that's what set it up for me. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Like I can make these things and you know, submit forms and all that stuff. But so very self-taught all the way. What, what's, wow. So you don't do FabDB for a living. 
No, it's <laughs> a long way off what, that. What's your day job? Uh, my day job, I actually, well, I'm doing a lot of things, mm. but uh, I'm a technical director and co-founder for a company called Creative Force. Um, so I run uh, an engineering team of I think 14 engineers now, uh, and that's global. So not everyone's in Australia. I've got one engineer in Australia, and then everyone else is either in Europe or, you know, we just picked up a guy in Egypt. I uh, joined the team, so excited to work with him. Um, that's my day job. So I basically architect uh, software solutions for the, the programs and stuff that we build at, build at work. And the new game you're building is a hobby project? Yes, that's been on my desk since early 2000s. Because you've been trying to hire <laughs> for it on Twitter? Yes. <laughs> that's not going so well. No? <laughs> no. So Maybe what are you I building? Can what type of game? Uh, so back in, um, when I was playing a lot of uh, Quake and Counter-Strike, I used to play these games called Star Sphere and Planetarian. Um, and they're basically browser-based um, real-time strategy games. But back in those days, that was one of the only ways to have like truly massively multiplayer mm. games. You know, we're talking uh, at those in those days, so tens of thousands of players playing these games. Um, and so they were the sort of the real OG MMOs and that sort of thing. Um, and they were super fascinating. So it was text-based with sort of pretty images sort of, you know, in the background and that sort of thing. And... Uh, unfortunately, I think sort of around 2003, 2004, those games kind of died uh, for, I don't really know what reasons for, but um, I was building sort of games around the, that sort of stuff as well. Um, my most successful project was called uh, Droids RPG, which is basically you build up mechs and you sort of attach weapons and stuff to their mount points. Uh, then you go on sort of fight against the computer and against other players. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And so ever since then, I've always wanted to get back to it. Uh, and so the game I'm building now called Halcyon Online is that, but because I've now got... 20 plus years experience behind me uh, I know the job that will be done on it will be really good mm. and I'm quite confident actually that I can kind of build a game that will kind of be an industry leader in that space um, and there's a couple of sort of competitors in there as well that um, I know are going to be a bit problematic because they've sort of been in the space for a long time but they're dated systems and I think I can do a better job so you're basically. talking browser based text based that's the idea yeah, it's a text-based browser game with a lot of imagery and art mm. to kind of support it. Uh, so to give you an idea, uh, it's a space-based real-time strategy game. Um, and so you're basically colonizing planets, building fleets, sending it off to other players, um, to, you know, get engaging in diplomacy. Uh, if there's any listeners out there that sort of like sort of four-by games, so explore, expand, exterminate, and I forget the last one. Uh, those sorts of games, um, like Endless Space, you know, Homeworld, that sort of stuff, they're really going to like the sort of game that I'm building. What's so. the time frame? That's a tricky one. I'd love to do it as soon as possible, but there's too much on my plate. So uh, in the next 12 to 24 months, hopefully. Awesome. Yeah. And what, are, I mean, we have a small audience, but maybe you're fine. So what, what's the job you're hiring for specifically? So there's two. Uh, one is involved in the art of the game. Um, and there's a couple of pieces for that. So the guy that I've hired, uh, I really hope works out because he does some really amazing artwork, which are basically spacescapes. So if you've ever seen uh, people work in Photoshop, build like beautiful planets and nebula and that mm. something, he does that sort of stuff. Um, and so I'm getting him to build the, at first, the homepage splash screen, which is basically sort of what I call a galaxy rise. So you're looking from behind your home world and the galaxy sort of splayed out behind that. Um, really, it'll be a really beautiful piece. Um, and then hopefully if that sort of works out, I'll get him to do basically all of the star fields, the galaxy backgrounds, the planets sure. in, in the game. Uh, and then I'll need to get someone who does you know, spacecraft and buildings and, and I need to, get, need to get a UI and UX person. I did hire someone. That didn't work out at all. I just could tell they were being pretty half-assed about it, unfortunately, but it happens. Happens. So mainly in the art and UX, UI stuff. Yeah, all the programming will be on me, and I didn't realize actually how big a project this is. I was starting to develop like the game systems and stuff, like just building. So to give everybody some, some background, the web itself, when you're talking websites, it's actually stateless, meaning that there's no... Mm. 
you're not saving any information by default when you visit a web page. I mean, obviously you have sessions and cookies and that sort of stuff, but in order to t make a browser-based game feel like it's real time, you have to do some pretty tricky shenanigans on the on the server side and in the front end to make it feel like everything's running just constantly. Um, and so building the technology to kind of manage that system was actually really, really difficult. So and that's just one system and I've got to build like 50 different game systems to, to support it. So, <laughs> so it's taking a long time to... Is there anything progress. currently in the market now that I could go to the web, yeah. a web browser and play a web? Yeah, so the Basically. one that I'd say is probably the most popular um, is one called Ogame, O-G-A-M-E.org. Um, really beautiful graphics. It's you know been a really stable, good system, game system for, I don't know, 20, 10, 15 years maybe. So it's been around for a long time uh, and they've gone through various iterations. Um but yeah, the, the thing I don't like about most of those games is they're microtransaction heavy. So mm. in order to basically play the game, you pay to you pay to win, essentially. Um, and I want to take the exact same sort of model I've used on FabDB, which is it's all free. But if you want to sort of support the project and you know um, get some sort of quality of life improvements, just to make things sort of your life easier in the game, then you can do that. Like uh, Path of Exile. Uh, yeah, so Parfax actually has a really good approach to it. Hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars doing is, it. Because yeah. it's just bloody good, so you give them money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like so The thing with microtransactions, if the game isn't good, you can make money. Yeah. While if you go the free-to-play, just if you want a cosmetic, you can pay for it Yeah. type of model. Yes, which yeah. I've done in Path of Exile. Yeah. I love the game, Dude, so I've bought I've quite bought a few I've bought every things. pack even when I don't play this season. Oh, really? I started in Kickstarter <laughs> with them. Like, not Kickstarter, but... You're going to play POE too then, I presume. 100%. Yeah, I can't wait. I don't have the time for it to sync like I used to. By the way, there's another game um, based in New Zealand. Yeah, I've played yeah, Path. Yeah, very good. Not, not, not hectic, but sure. I've had a but, little But they, they've gone, they were free at the beginning. And, the, you could, and they're still free. It, their model is still like Kickstarter. You pick a pledge a thing and this is what you get in the new expansion. It's all micro, it's all, um, it's oh, all so cosmetic. I don't, do the, I don't do the pledges. I just buy like- It's all cosmetic. Yeah, cosmetic stuff. Like whenever I- whatever You feel cannot, like you cannot- Get, gain one level, you cannot gain one extra percentage of drop rate. Everyone's in the same boat. But you know what I can look way flashier than you if I spent ten thousand yeah. dollars. Sure, yeah, but yeah. that's it. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. But it's tempting. They've done it yeah. smart because if you never buy microtransactions, you look like crap. <laughs> yeah, like your armor right. looks like raggedy. Even if you're the yeah. best player in you the look world, like you you're look a raggedy. Like one of the cities of that. But of that the gameplay uh, is no different. The gameplay is no different. The thing I love about Path of Exile, though, and I think it's the only action role playing game that's actually done this, is you can. Th conceptualize a character that you want in your mind and go, I want him to do this, I want to do that. Yep. And then you go on fine and you can actually do it. So the last character I played, and this is what really turned me on to Path of Exile. I was like, I want to do like a poison archer that's just like, you know, raining down death everywhere. And I end, ended up finding all these skills and like gems and all sorts of things. I was like, oh my God, I can if actually they, build yeah. the character that I actually want to build. There's a whole channel that does just breaking the game stuff. I'll oh, have really? to find it for oh, you. Oh, like the hectic synergies and stuff. But all, to the point where like he can actually just make the game crash. <laughs> or, or like he made he made a build, Paul, where you run up to the boss, hit him once and die. <laughs> but then if you stay dead, the boss dies. Like you just wait and it's that much trickling damage. Oh, the dot damage. <laughs> yeah, I've seen those. So, so all he does is he walks in, da, and then he dies. Who's, uh, who's the chaos occult? girl in that game i've seen things on youtube where it's literally they just click a button and every mob on screen dies there's plenty of it's like they just melt screen so, clearing, so yeah. yeah you've just got one one character just running through a dungeon and it just, just runs, things, yeah. things yeah. are just melting <laughs> yeah. on screen i'm like what is this person actually doing this so doesn't my favorite way to play is um righteous fire the the ability says when you turn this ability on it's an aura uh does x amount of fire damage in a circle and you lose 80% of your life 
as fire damage per second. <laughs> so how long do you think you last, right? Not very long, except- You last forever if it's 80% of your current life or is it 80% no, 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 of total 80% life? 80% of your Max. total. Oh, okay, right. So what you do is you just get enough fire resist and enough items with fire resist that you get to a point where your life will just go to hangs. one and stop. Oh, okay. But then when you build it right, like I think you need to be level whatever to, for everything to click yep. is you'll actually heal life. So you can do it. And then because it's a percentage of your life as damage, you yep. start stacking your life up. But that's the point. You don't hit anything. You just run near them. <laughs> and there's full level. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I love playing. But there's no, there's really no games like that no. where it's, it's, it's free to play. The, the talent tree and the, the, like, like think of, it's just so if, if you're going to put it in flesh and blood To a terms, fault actually. Yes, yeah. It's too much for new players yeah. to even comprehend. I think, they're, I think they're addressing it with PoE too. I yeah, think correct. They change that system. Yeah. Dude, we're on the same. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait. We're gonna make a flesh and blood guild or clan flesh and blood there. path of exile. <laughs> but um, they we'll make Bravo in PoE too. But it's a it's a bit like <laughs> if you think of flesh and blood, but it's it's got ten million cards. And you can put any card in any deck. It definitely has the same that's, sort of visual aesthetic, it, doesn't it? As yeah, Flesh and Blood. I mean, I think that's what Flesh and Blood what it gets us with. So Magic's art style I like, but it's more, you're not as personally attached. Like it, it feels like impersonal. But I think but, you would. But Flesh and Blood 100% a is a role-playing game. Yeah, yeah. It's a role-playing game. Yeah. Get a hero, armor. And that's why PVE, this is a great transition to this. I'm so pumped for Because yeah, if they I'm do PVE with loot, if I can go to my armory, or even if... Flesh and Blood do a way where I can farm loot in PvE, like farm cards. Yeah. Like whether it's get XP on a leaderboard and eventually I get something in the mail or I can redeem it at my local where it's like a loot pack. Yeah. Because World of Warcraft, sorry, Warcraft TCG did that. And I, I was opened a, bit, I was some a big of fan of the WoW TCG. You, you got like a raid boss and you got a loot pack. And when you you and your mates finish, like you bought it as a kit and you could open it. I want that at an armory level. I want to be able to go to an armory and someone hits like a gold foil <laughs> like Kadachi or something because we killed the boss and it's just that one in a thousand yep. drop that you, everyone screamed, like the nerd scream yeah, thing. Because yeah, yeah. that, that could happen in a game store if you designed it right. Absolutely. Because the boss could be fun and engaging and it's us versus the boss, not versus each other, which is a yep. better bonding experience. Like yep. to play together, you bring your wife or your kid and it's less PvP, less spiky. Yeah, you're working together. But then you could hit a thousand dollar card. Yeah. That'd be insane. Yeah. I think... Um, it's actually kind of a gap in the market, actually. If you look at sort of most TCGs, most of them don't deal with PvE uh, for, yeah. for, for a variety of reasons. I think it's actually quite tricky. Um, mm. But I, I think there's a sort of a gap in the market to have a good role-playing TCG. Plenty of tried and plenty of failed. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so I, th and I have a lot of faith that if LSS would have taken down the path, including like, you know, narrative campaigns and stuff, they sort of head they down. They have confirmed it. The, yeah, no, 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 they've, they've confirmed PvE, but that, that's all they've confirmed. They haven't confirmed. No, they've, they have confirmed something else. What's that? The official James White in an interview said, you'll be able to pick up the game a month later. It sounds like Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, oh, so what do you mean? some campaigns there. Mm. Oh, interesting. That'd be awesome. So oh, so you can start and then stop. and then like you, can, you can play the game, like continue where you oh, were with your so friends. Awesome. Yes. I, I, yeah, I'd be so into Which, that. Which, by the way, if they do it that way, where it's, it's a global campaign, like the first two months of the campaign yeah, the story. is this month, right? Yeah. And you get two months to eventually clear it and finish and see everything you were going to see in the campaign and discover the lore or whatever, however they design it. And then they go month two. Yeah. And then people that are new to the game might be able to just go back, but everyone else is like, you're waiting a month or whatever for the next release. Yeah. That'd be sick. So that's actually really interesting. So there's another game that I've been getting into. So actually, 
card games aren't really my my true love. My true love is actually in tabletop miniatures games. Um, like Ooh. I said, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. I'm OG, baby. Oh, I, I, I love it. Back. Yeah, I love it. Um, but there's a new game that's come out relatively recently called Conquest by Parabellum Games. Um, I think they're in the US, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, but the cool thing about that is they have a feature with this game called The Living World. And The Living World is actually, you, you can go there, there's this map, and you can actually record stuff sort of how you're going with your games and that actually drives the storyline mm. for the game moving forward. So if LSS were to do something like that, with sort of like a you know, sort of a, a globally yep. led campaign using the gem system, then you've got some really cool that, stuff. That's happening. my hope is it's yeah. gem based, it's XP, you register, you hopefully even play it at the local. Yeah. And you can't just play it at home with your friends. Like they can do that as yeah. a kit. But what I want to be able to do is the shop owner has an envelope from LSS. It's the monthly campaign rewards and you go play that with your so friends, cool. you get XP, you maybe start your level one Dory with a crappy sword. <laughs> and and, and no, 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 but like five years later, it's all gold foil, yeah. PVE equipment yeah, that some of it you can take to a tournament. And people yeah. like, the only way to get that is by grinding PVE. Like you can win gold foils at tournaments and you can win stuff in PVE, yeah. which World of Warcraft did amazingly well. Like you'd have your raid gear, but then like the PVP gladiator gear stood out yeah. you could still cross over and do other content but two things it's going to be hard to manage and it's going to be hard to execute because uh it could be fraught with cheating let's be honest or yeah. like you know people cheating the system but i do have faith in it because if people like me are interested in that i think that's half the thing like i hate commander i hate that i absolutely despise it for a variety of reasons yeah. so i'm not going to get into now yeah i think it's like when I see people playing Commander in Magic, it makes me depressed. <laughs> like, I literally think it's like, oh my gosh, what has Magic come to? Yep. It's like, you've got a Lamborghini that's like sitting on, you know, training wheels. I just don't like seeing the game play that way. Not at all. It's like a board game, right? And if I want to play a board game, I'll play a board game. I won't yep. play Magic. It's like a Magic version of a board game. Anyway, nothing against people enjoy it. Millions of people enjoy Commander. Yep, yep. I just don't like it. So... I really got convinced that I thought that, A, this isn't a multiplayer PvP. That's why I don't like UPF, like, to be fair, not interested. Oh, it's too easy to swing the game. Yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll, it'll never be for me. But I played against LSS crew on that, and they just destroyed me. Did, and after when I realized that, weather, I was like, oh, this is kind of crap. <laughs> I, I just think, like, for people, there are, and there are people out there that don't like multiplayer and stuff like that, but I think... PVE, if it's executed well, I think those people get on board. Like I've had a lot of conversations with people and I've heard people talk about it and I'm very intrigued. Very, well, the, very the intrigued. The reason, like what we were talking about, we, we are clearly like, we talk, there's like a childlike thing when you talk mm. to me about Diablo, right? Oh yeah. I'm like, me too. I remember not being allowed to buy the game because it had a freaking hexagon on the front, like yeah. devil worship. Like my parents wouldn't yeah, yeah. even let us buy it. Do you remember the, the butcher? Yeah. yeah. When I first oh, yeah. butcher in Diablo 1, it scared the living yeah. crap out what of was me. That? What was the elite armor called? Whale armor or something in Diablo 1? And oh, oh, godly play of the God, whale. Yeah, godly play of the whale. Yeah, and, yeah. and when all people knew how to dupe yeah, items. Yeah, I remember duping some duping of them. Duping <laughs> items on Battle.net or yeah. how to, there was a special <laughs> thing you do. God. That's why it's exciting is <laughs> Fab <laughs> has... No, no, no. Fab has that ability. Like, you pick a hero. Like, the PvE campaign could be four heroes we've never played before. Like, yeah. they they can take it whatever route they want. You go, there's four decks, and it's four of you can play that campaign, and you pick the decks, and it's a new hero with stuff you haven't... Like yeah, they can you, do might it that not way. Even, you might not even bring your own deck. You but might the have mechanics, to purchase. Correct, but the yeah. mechanics already lead themselves into it. It's, it's already 
I have a board where I can have armor. That, that's the whole point is you can you have armor and a weapon. I think deck building it's, will be in place it, yeah, for PvE, for sure. I, I agree, but I'm saying it could be different rules. Maybe you have to start with commons and then you have to build up. Yes. Maybe only level three characters can have... And yeah, people will cheat if there's rewards and stuff, but it's not the point. It's yeah. it's still... At the end of the day, you shouldn't play for the rewards. And PvE, as a it'll be casual, should, wouldn't ever be the... Like, like right now, when I win an armory, I give the shit away. Like, unless I really want the playmat... The new player's getting what what I you know what I mean like I'm there to play the game not to win so it's not how I our tall friend though is very is very accurate in the sense that it's too easy to game if you have sort of rewards based on the PVE system sure um so I, I think I think that would be tricky but it'd still be interesting to have events at the OGS that sort of stuff yeah I, I just want to it's also it's it's the very soft entry point if you're in the shop and there's a commander group going and they're not doing anything after and the PVE is firing yeah way easier to convince them to do that. Yeah. Then come verse me one on one to the death. Mm. They don't want to do that. Mm. Like Fab's a little bit like you can learn Fab quickly if you already play Magic, but it's pretty punishing because the mechanics. It's are a so highly different. competitive game with a very yeah. high skill ceiling. Yeah, uh, and that's why the, the range of skill is just. Is like so I play Dory, I'll never lose to a new player on their f- like it's impossible. They will definitely make mistakes, and I will win. Doesn't yeah. matter how high they high roll; it doesn't matter because okay. they'll they'll mess up, they'll yeah. forget something, or they just won't know what my cards do. Yeah. But the PVE aspect of that would be sick. In the same vein, is it's still me on my warrior swinging a weapon, doing stuff as a character, yeah. not as a deck. Yeah. And that that's not going to feel like a board game. It's going to feel like I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, but I imagine it feels more like that, but with that physical, tangible like. Mm. I built this deck. This is what my hero does. Yeah. And and that's where maybe all these clerics and alchemists and whatever they've put yes. in the law book will come. Yeah. It's like you'll need a healer and you'll need a tank. You can't just- Potentially. You know, no, not necessarily. I, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I me too. So. Me too. Because it means that um, it sort of opens up another avenue for um, card rulings and stuff as well. So if you have a yes. cleric that's doing healing and stuff, which is really only necessary or useful in a PvE context, particularly depending on the ruling. So yeah. if the cleric has a card that's like, you know, heal on uh, you know, a friend or whatever of, of the party that doesn't work on you, then it's it's only for PvE. Yeah. You, know, you can't pull it into PvP or, or potentially UPF as well, actually. But <laughs> How'd you first hear about <clears throat> Flesh and Blood? Or where? Yeah. Uh, top Ride, Good Games. Uh, oh, had an okay. ad on their page. I just saw the artwork. I was like, Whoa, what is this? This looks awesome. It was dark. It looked gritty. Um, I, th- and I think the first piece of art I saw was uh, Rays of Reflex and in the banner and they yep. posted a photo of uh, Reiner as well. I was like, oh, this looks cool. Um, I didn't I didn't get drawn to Reiner whatsoever. As soon as I learned the randomness, I was like, nope. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, a dice run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, nope, not, not again like this. Um, I played Dory, so yeah. And that was in 2019? Yeah, that was late October 2019 because I think it launched October 2019, sort of start of the month, October th- third i want to say um so i learned about it late october and then by mid-november i had FabDB ready to go so wow yeah so where did that spark that you got into a game and then a month later you're launching a website on the game that's just what i do right okay <laughs> uh, my friends have joked me a number of times like if i get heavily into something the first thing i do is build a website <laughs> yeah but also it's a gap right it's not that you it's that, that wouldn't have existed yeah there was no collection manager there now was no there's card like browsing. one or two competitors in inverted commas but it's not yeah they're not yeah. really you know uh, that's what i mean like there was nothing for deck building yeah. collection nothing. the only the only other website out there that sort of offers any sort of 
competitiveness. Um, they're just way too slow on updating things. Um, like they still don't have Uprising in there, for example. Um, and that's always the case with the, the new set releases. And you know, I'm not I'm not hating on them. They're probably very busy. You know, maybe they're doing university or they've got work stuff on. So yep. totally understand why that's the case. But um, to my knowledge, outside of them, there's no other yep. sort of deck builder. But in regards to other things, there's obviously heaps of competitors for content. There's heaps of competitors for um, analysis and that sort of stuff. Or at least there's growing competitors for analysis. There's at least four or five websites for sort the of card and deck analysis. The so. only uh, <clears throat> another site I use to get deck list from is Fab Dojo. Yes. Yeah. And that's all manually inputted, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, they, so they, which means the quality is quite high for what they're getting, but it's a lot of work. Well, um, they Techno Labs is meant to do that all automatically. They contact every LGS that runs an event going, hey, yep. can we... Like, they, he, they have... Man that, it seems crazy that it's not yep. automatic. Yeah, so... <coughs> so... Excuse me. I've got a lingering cough from like a thing I had a few weeks ago. Um, I've reached out to them once before. This is before Techno Labs was launched. And I asked them if there was, you know, if there's something we could do from a partnership. And actually, you've just reminded me that I'm meant to get back to them because I haven't done that since. But I think there's actually a really good partnership thing there. So if they're able to help me out with data, I can mm. help them with reports, potentially even reports that are only accessible by them. Um, and then they can put basically their reports together for, for all this. Because they do some really in-depth analysis, which... I don't know if Tech Labs can actually do automatically. So, yep. you know, that, no, that, that, human would, that data sharing would be great. Again, all this stuff is good for the community in general. Yeah. The more data LSS gives you, the more data we can funnel from LGSs. It's, it's, if it's all aggregated or shared, it just helps. Yes. Like, it's all stats. The problem is we don't have a digital client. Otherwise, this would be easy, but this yeah. will never have a digital client. But so it'd be good if, it's re if we can just access Gem. If yep. I can access Gem, I've got everything. I've got yeah. everything I need. What, have they said no? Uh, it's not that it's no. I just don't think it's a very high priority for them. Yeah, you know, There's a lot of other things going on. So um, I suspect they will probably get to a point where you can access that uh, through an API system. But yeah, who, who knows? But it's the only proper way to build these tools correctly is having that API. Yes. Yeah. And to, and to um, Elsa's credit, you know, there's a lot of other games out there that build sort of their own tooling for this sort of stuff. Like they build their own deck builders and all sorts of things. Um, I think Grand Archive TCG, which Red Zone Rogue talks about a bit, uh, which I've, I've backed as well. I like it because it's sort of a dweeb, uh, dweeb, a weeb um, mm. sort of setup, but uh, it's the rules of it are actually quite cool. So, so I'm interested in that. But um, they've already built sort of like a card browser and a deck manager and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, I think that's actually a really big mistake uh, on the company's perspective because once you do that, you're actually, even if you do a good job, you're actually removing the capability from the community. But also two, you're spending money that the community could be doing for you for free. Well, that's it. It's, it's modding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Should let the community mod. Usually yeah. they come up with some, because there's usually more passion because you're, the only way you do it for free is if you want to. Yeah. While your employee passionate. building that tool is building yeah. it to a work standard, not a and, passion and project you know, standard. Even though I don't despise it, Commander, that was birthed from the community. Yeah, absolutely. You know, exactly. I believe it was a bunch of judges <laughs> that used to play it. Yeah. When they all got around, they just played multiplayer games and, you know, developed this Commander system. That's where it was all birthed from. Yep. But it was all from the community, and then obviously Hasbro got their yep. greedy. Little so that's a really interesting point, actually. So I'm actually working on a format for Flesh and Blood, which um, I'll release soon. Yeah, oh. yeah, we'll a see. format. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. We, we'll do a release on the channel. You just, I'll, 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 I'll do we'll play do can, can we just get a no, little? No, that's can what we I get mean. a little? Not yet. Not even <laughs> a. Not even. <laughs> what a, I'm saying is, if you want to do a gameplay reveal, <clears throat> hear me. Oh up. yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah we'll record because yeah. I've been recording some gameplay. We just recorded some for LSS main website. Yep. Uh, awesome. yeah, we'll, what, we'd love to. what makes you excited about this format? The it's just a very different way of playing Flesh and Blood. 
Um, cool. Not better or worse or anything like that, just different. Um, and it moves away considerably from sort of constructed and, and blitz formats. I will say that um, in the way you deck build and the way you uh, the way you play the cards. Did so. you come up with the idea? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. When's the last time you played a game of Flesh and Blood? Um, at the calling event. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I played. I d- didn't do well as expected, but I wasn't there to, to win stuff. So I was just there to have fun. Uh, I think I played about three or four games and won zero. So, <laughs> did you play with my decks or you had something else? No, I played in the draft. Okay, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was it. And it was, it was awesome. Uh, yeah. Opening up the cards and stuff. I, I think Uprising is probably the most gorgeous set released to date. Uh, I think it's just stunning. And I just had a lot of fun. All my games, unfortunately, were just so close. I just couldn't quite close them. That's the good part <clears> about <throat> Fab. Like, usually your life totals are not that far right. Even when you're very new, yep. you get your damage in, you get your licks in. Yes, yeah. yeah it's, but it before then, feel. I hadn't played since Crew, so it'd been a long time. Mm. That yeah, is a long okay. time. Yeah. So t- personally, what what's keeping you busy? We, we, we uh, talk about we're all dads. It's the first time we've had a three dads on the channel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and only um, two dad bods. He was, he was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and only two of us have had the snip. Well, yeah, yeah. But you, you let the audience <laughs> guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess which two. <laughs> oh, too funny. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, outside of work, uh, work takes up, you know, sort of eight, nine hours a day. Um, and then it's Lexi time. So when I get to hang out with Lexi, and by oh. the way, the, she's not, it was not inspired by um, Lexi, the, the room blade, uh, the range, sorry. Um, in fact, when uh, James found out that my girl's called Lexi, he reached out, he's like, did you know, and this is before anything else, just, do you know we've got a car here coming out called Lexi? I was like, bullshit. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, so interesting timing. So um, uh, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, so uh, Lexi, and then basically once Lexi's asleep, then I get to do my thing. So, mm. and my thing is either gaming, um, but the, the problem with me gaming these days is every single time I start gaming, I, I just feel guilty. And that's that's any gaming. Like that's, and it's not just video games, it's like if I'm playing card games or miniature games, uh, I have to get, into the game, get it done quickly, and then get back to whatever it is I'm, I'm doing. So um, productivity and creativity just is always sort of uh, sort of surging up with me. So I, always, I have always all these ideas. I've got like ideas for like the developer world that I want to build. Um, so if I could get like a, like a team of like 20 engineers and it's like, you're working on this, you're working on this, you're working on this, um, that would be the ideal. Have you always had that in you? That yes, but not the execution aspect. So right. uh, being able to execute successfully really only started with FabDB. That's what I was like, actually, I can actually do really cool creative- I mean, it's a business. Yeah, productive things yeah. here. But it's not just that. It's like before FabDB, I'd create these projects, but I'd always sort of quit sort of halfway. Like I wouldn't really see it, see through the execution to completion. And something changed with FabDB. What, so, yeah. what changed? What? I don't really know. I, I think it's the- the satisfaction of all that hard work mm. that's kind of, and I'm not talking about the making money aspect. It's just like seeing tens of thousands of people use the yep. thing that you've built um, and using it well and having, you know, no issues. Um, there's a certain pride that comes along with that. Um, and not in, not in a bad way, just like, oh, look, I can do these cool things. You know, what else can I do? So the positive um, feedback inspired yeah. you to keep going, not giving yeah, absolutely. up. Okay, um, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I saw an opportunity for rough times when it launched. It was like one of the only two websites really doing serious content, the other one being uh, Channel Fireball. Mm. Uh, there's other ones, but um, I still don't think anyone punch, pushes out as much sort of written content as Rough Times. Um, Channel Fireball is close. That they do, I think, maybe two articles a week, maybe more on their paid service, but I haven't I haven't seen that. Um, but we, we push at a minimum three, sometimes four articles a week, um, and we want to we go higher. So, But that really comes down to Alex as well. Shout out to Alex. Uh, because uh, Alex is the editor and without him, the content doesn't go anywhere. So it's really important. Who's Alex? Where are they? Yeah, Alex Truell is based on the East Coast of the US, which is pretty much 
all of my partners are from. I don't know why that is the case, but this is the case. Um, and he's he basically just ensures that all the content is up to up to par. And he's an awesome author himself as well. Uh, he writes now for LSS as well. Some of their stuff, doing some coverage uh, because he's an awesome writer. So. Cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, Fabio is sort of kicked off the energy and drive and desire to kind of just build things. Um, and then Rough Times here, and then Tech Labs in the back of my mind for ages. This game I'm developing has been sort of in game design documents for probably the last 10, 15 years, you know, tweaking and changing slowly. Uh, but it's getting to the point now where I'm like, I actually really want to execute on this uh, and get it done. So, and then, yeah, like I said, there's this application idea I have for developers that I want to build, but <laughs> it's just not enough time. So, so yeah, so whenever Plus I play- your day job. Plus my day job. So whenever I have time, I'm gaming. After a while, listen, it's like you should be working on this. Should be working on this, um, and then I have to stop gaming and get back to it. So we're gonna get you in in a fab armory at some point. I will for sure. Yeah, it's all about time. But like I said, whenever I'm wanting to game, if I have time, it's tabletop miniature yep. games. Um, so at the moment, that's Conquest, and then there's another game coming out called Rivenstone, uh, which I'm super. In fact, I was so excited about that one, like Flesh and Blood. That within two weeks of me backing the project, I had an app ready to go for <laughs> where do you, building where do you, armies. Where do you play your tabletop games? Top right. Oh, you play there. Yep. Okay, in the yep. back there. Nice. Yeah, they're, they're one of the few good games actually that actually have proper support for um, tabletop games. Are good games in the city actually is quite good as well um, at Town Hall. Are um, you looking forward to the true rank and file Warhammer reboot that they announced a few years ago? Uh, I don't know. Games actually has let me down so much. Oh yeah, they're terrible. Their miniatures are amazing. Uh, they're, they're easily top tier sort of miniature quality. Um, the lore is incredible, but the game systems are just so dated. Um, I was really excited about one. They released one called, so I've- Do you like rank and file though? That's what Conquest is. Oh, okay. So Conquest is rank and file uh, troops. You, you sport anywhere between sort of 60, 80 to 120 miniatures on the table. So it's a sort of along same lines as fantasy. Um, but I've played 40k 8th and 9th edition recently. I played Kill Team 1 and 2. I played Warcry. I played uh, Age of Sigma. Um, and of all those games... What do you think of Age of Sigma? I had a dabble in it. I wasn't... I, was, I thought it was a bit of a... It's beer and pretzels. Um, meaning, at best. Yeah, it's like you roll a dice, you hope for the best. You know, and that's all Games Workshop games. Uh, but I, I really thought they were going to do something special with uh, Warcry. So for those not sort of... Uh, Aware of it, Warcry is a tabletop skirmish game where you play with about sort of ten to fifteen miniatures, and it was just too simple. Like it was so simplified that I just couldn't get into it. Uh, and then I played, oh, what was, oh yeah, Kill Team Two. Oh man, that pissed, that one pissed me off. Um, <laughs> the way they did the measurement system was just uh, it was just awful. I, I couldn't get about. And so basically, after that, I just sort of cut ties with. with what the about Kings of War? Did you ever try that game? I was gonna play that. And I bought an army for it, and then Conquest came out. Oh, I found out about Conquest. I'm like, oh, bye bye, Kings of War. I heard uh, it's good. I heard Kings of War. Yes, good. yeah. Uh, I'd say it's probably the most popular rank and file game in the world at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks awesome. It's quite simple, I think, as, as terms of game mechanics go. But um, yeah, it seems like an awesome. Do you like awesome enjoy game. the painting aspect of the hobby, or Ooh, just the playing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my quiet time. Because that's what I, I would whiskey, imagine if you're some painting. Yeah, if you're really in the programming in the computer world, that'd be a good therapeutic. Yeah, it's the only way I can actually shut my brain off. Yeah, that's the only yeah. way. So if I if I sit down and sort of paint for an hour and a half, mm. by the time I go to bed, I am just dead. That's awesome. Really, yeah. But if I've been programming all night, I go to bed and then I'm up for another hour just thinking about stuff. So. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I love my painting. It's really thrilling. And I'm relatively good at it too. So uh, you get a lot of compliments and stuff from people from armies and that sort of thing. So the problem is I spend so much time on them that, uh, you know, a lot of people just kind of smash it out, get the army done. But for me, I, I look at mistakes. And I'm like, oh. So you're a perfectionist just like your 
projects, your programs? To a point. Um, no, I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist. I, I'm a, a 90% guy. Okay. So I get to but you got a high standard yes. of yourself and yep, 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 others yep. that you know, yep, yep. do stuff it, it, for you. I have a higher standard of expectation of others than I do of myself, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, when it comes to like painting and sort of the, the work that I do, yeah, pretty, pretty high standard. So. Hmm. Yeah, I never got into Warhammer. It's fascinating, <clears throat> but just it seemed like it would require more time than I had. That was my first That's love. Mm. Yeah, my, my first. Second edition. My, ooh. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, you go back further than me. Yeah, early early 90s? Yeah, yeah, it would have been. I, yeah, 93 or 94. I, I got in when fourth edition just launched. Yep. So that was the same. I was in year two. Oh, wow. And I'm 37. You started early. <laughs> yeah, but that was fourth edition just launched. I was yep. in year two because my neighbour, he was uh, in year five or year six and he got given the battle box when it dropped for Christmas and it was the High Elves uh, Goblins battle box. Oh, uh, Fantasy, not... Um, yeah, I was talking about 40K. Oh, no, no, Fantasy. Yeah. I, I never really played Yeah, Fantasy 40K. was before 40... Oh, no, actually, no, it wasn't. 40K was before Fantasy. Yeah, correct, but I think the additions yep. uh, were the other way around. Correct. Yeah, I used to buy White Dwarf to read on the plane though. Oh, I used to love them. Yeah, like that's the crazy thing, right? Yeah. It's interesting, even if you don't play it. So yeah. much detail and, oh, and those magazines back in the day. The you know the quality that went into them, the photography, yeah, the yeah. photography, the articles, like those things. If you ever get an opportunity, go to Warhammer World in the UK. Like that, it will just blow your mind. Really? Uh, yeah. So um, for those not, uh, who are not aware, be. be uh, Interested to know who may don't know about Games Workshop, but they, you know they publish a bunch of games. One was called Warhammer, um, and they have this huge, basically like uh, I call it a museum called Warhammer World. And Warhammer World, you can play heaps of games there, you can buy products, but they have this like this whole muse- museum section where you just like go through and see all these painted minis from right back since day one. But on top of that, they have all these massive dioramas of like hundreds and thousands of miniatures, like fighting this epic battle. Is that in London or? Uh, no, that's in uh, what's it called? Not Liverpool. Uh, no. Newcastle? No, 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 no. I can't remember what it's called. Okay. Uh, but anyway, if you ever get to the UK, you've got you've got to see it. We'll do. Hamish, I, I, take me there, <laughs> mate. Take me there, Hamish. <laughs> you know, I, I spoke to Hamish just before this. We had a good old chat. Funny guy. And they've got a miniatures club. You know, Hamish runs one wherever he's from. Where? Uh, I don't know who Hamish UK. is. Push the point. The UK podcast. Oh, right. Yeah. Push the point was the one I was thinking of before. Ah, okay. That's all. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yes, you've had a... Yeah, yeah. You've got a video there. Yeah. Or podcast list anyway. Yeah. So yeah. do you plan to um, maybe travel to Worlds or any of these big landmark fab events or... I'd like to, uh, particularly, especially Worlds. Um, but it's unlikely, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but maybe in a couple of years when Lex is a bit older, we might, might be able to do that. That'd be pretty, pretty cool. Uh, I mean, just getting the time to go to the calling in Sydney was uh, tricky because I'm, I'm leaving you know, my girl with my wife for the next few days over a weekend. It's just it's like... It's it's a it's a lot of hard work raising oh, yeah. kids so yep. by myself. Yeah, most definitely. So so it's good. Um, but yeah, so like, like I was saying, I built that app for Rivenstone pretty much straight away. So mm. I, I think once Rivenstone's out, I can't see myself playing anything else for quite some time. This is tabletop. Yep. Okay. Yep. So tabletop skirmish game, uh, and it's got an aesthetic that's a little bit like World of Warcraft in terms of the models and stuff. So it's gonna have a lot of broader Kickstarter project. Awesome. Yep. I went all in. It was like 900 USD for like everything. And I'm looking at like the shipping bill now because the Kickstarter's changed. I was like, oh God, <laughs> what have I Did done? Did you look at the sorcery at all from New Zealand? Yeah, back that as well. Yeah. yeah. But Where? I won't, I won't um, back uh, sorcery beyond first set. That, that'll be it for No, me. neither, neither. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I want to get- The artwork is incredible. That, that's why. And incredible. if none of it's digital, 
it's another Kiwi company. Like the more gaming money on well, this the guy that built it is actually from Path of Exile. Correct. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, I I bought a store Eric, kit. I think. Yep. I oh, mad! I bought a whole store kit to split between two shops. Yep. Uh, enough cases to open on the channel. Yeah, man. <laughs> enough play mat. but it's a board game. I just want to. I just want to. I was it to so play. pissed off with that launch day because they launched during US hours. I think it was like three or four a.m. in the morning. I was like, "You're from New Zealand." I couldn't. So I couldn't get like the. the, uh, the yeah, the yeah. They birds. were all sold out. All the good ones sold out straight away. And I work up at like eight a.m. for that. I'd never wake up at a.m. It's like nine thirty ten because <laughs> I work late. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> right, no, you're up at like two in the morning. I yeah, I think it's two. Message. I was like, "What are you doing up?" Because it says <laughs> I'm going on Facebook. Oh, when you're overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, a, no, I'm I'm up. I, I sometimes will put in an all night. I mean, I live a very fucking boring life, so an all nighter on coffee and working. <laughs> I is live fine. a boring life. I try to get to sleep on nine thirty if I can. Yeah, you wake up at like four. Not that early, but close. <laughs> four thirty, close, <laughs> very close. I, the only time I used to wake up at four thirty is when when I was moved to the UK and worked for. I still worked for the same company in Sydney, and so I was up really early. It was either that or surfing. And I get up at four thirty, be out, sure. out in the surf by five thirty in the morning. Oh, cool! Yeah, that was good fun. And um, if you were to come to an armory with us, what hero would you play? Uh, I'd actually really like to play Bolton. Yes. Yeah. Why? Uh, well, I, I love warriors. The warriors are always like my almost my go-to in every game I play. Um, so I just love Dorinthia. I think she's awesome. Uh, but uh, Bolton, just I don't know. There's something about him just being like this whirling dervish with his two axes. I just I don't know. Pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah. He needs a bit of support. He, I mean, he's fun to play, just not not nearly as strong as he should be. Yep. Yeah. Next I set. think. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I don't really know uh, much about sort of the, mo the monarch meta. But did you have sort of any success with sort of attack action cards as a as a build? Because I tried to do that with Dorinthia early days and it didn't quite work out. But he has sort of certain synergies with attack action cards. So. I mean, it's mainly attack actions with Bolton. Okay, so because so they're the only action. cards that enable him to charge. Yeah, and then oh, the course. weapons are like the finisher. Gotcha. So okay. you're you're pretty much uh, attacking, Just chip, charging chip damage soul, when you can, but yeah. mainly to charge. And then when you when you charge enough and you have the right combo pieces, you go off with the weapons like ten times and you pretty much no, yeah. There's okay. two ways to play Bolton. You're either playing well, maybe there's an Axis build out there, but generally speaking, people are either playing the Sabers combo, so you're building up your soul, and then when you hit your combo pieces, your Luminous, you're just going off, you're cracking your courage and you're yep. attacking with each saber three or four times. Yeah. The other way to play is with Raiden, and that's just to go wide deck. Yeah. And you're using your soul to activate Bolton's ability to keep giving all your attacks go again. Oh, man, okay. So you can give attacks go again that don't have um, a natural go again, basically. Oh, man, yep. But you've got other decks like Briar and now Fire that are just <clears throat> better way go... Way better at it. Way better at going wide. Yep. You know, they're, they're not as fragile. So, but yep. yeah, Bolton's going to need a few Something. key cards yep. to really either cement itself as a... It's almost like he doesn't have an identity... It's like, which way does LSS want Bolton to go? Yeah. If they want it to go wide, then they're going to have to print certain cards. Or if they want it to be a true warrior combo deck, then they're going to have to... Anyway, I don't know which way they're going to go well, with Bolton. Well, the thing is, like, from a, from a high-level perspective, they've released one Light and Shadows. To, that's, that's the main part. Mm. Yeah. So, and, and be, so you got characters... They may not come back to it for a while. Well, Chain is a shadow but doesn't rely as heavily on shadow cards. Oh, I see what you're saying. While Bolton's whole thing is charging and you With own, light cards. Right? Yeah. Same so so Prism 
just the uniqueness of her and there's only one illusionist or was for a while. Mm. <clears throat> she was already strong. She hasn't needed a lot of support. Yeah. And the Everfest auras were just enough to make her have two different builds now, an aura build and a... But Bolton's had... Bolton can't just run generic warrior cards. It just doesn't synergize. Like you need yeah, that synergy. Yep. But my point is then Tails came out, but then uh, Uprising also has some ice and elemental cards. So a lot a lot of heroes, like Bolton's probably, Bolton and Levia are the two heroes that have had probably the least support in the re more recent. Because like yep. Dory's a generic warrior. So all the generic warrior stuff helps. You can run E-Strike in the deck, you run yeah. Command, it doesn't matter. Bolton really needs light cards to charge, yep. and there's only one set worth. Yeah, so he's, like, if, I think if you, even Fab DB could tell you, if you looked at, like, the accessible card pool, for it's, light it's much smaller. Yeah, it's very... Oh, than okay, than most other characters. Yep. Levy has the same problem. The success people are seeing with Levia now is, like, a basically a no-blood debt Levia. So not even building a... Oh, right. Because a lot of generic brute <clears> stuff <throat> came out, but not enough... Shadow Brute stuff came out to like synergize because Levia needs to turn off blood debt. And if you don't have enough cards, yeah, that's hurting yourself. You just end up dying, fizzling <laughs> out and dying. Um, I think Bolton's. The price you pay. Bolton's not. Like, Bolton's definitely only one set away. And uh, by the way, my my guess is November. When's the new set? And I out? think they're going to lead. It seems like this will be a light shadow. I have a feeling they're going to lead into Raiden over Sabres. Because yeah, because Raiden's his weapon. Yeah, anyway, and, yeah. And, and, and Sabres literally is only a thing because of courage. Yeah. Like, without courage, chess piece, there is no Sabres combo. Yeah. yeah, right. Like, Lumina is still a powerful card in a Raiden build. Mm. Like, hitting twice with Raiden and gaining life big, yeah. is very good. Yeah. Let's um, see what he's like at the moment, actually. I want to see how he... You're checking uh, Tecla? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So, well, fun fact, Kirk. <laughs> yes. Bolton had the highest day two conversion rate... At the Pro Tour. Oh, really? Wasn't that many Perce people playing the deck? It, yeah. There were, uh, wasn't the that people that did play it yep. as a percentage. Yeah, percentage. Yeah. Like, yeah, so it was just saying like, yeah, it's a, as a percentage, it had the highest day two conversion rate. I believe there was maybe, dude, I could probably look it up, but there was somewhere between seven to 10 players mm. playing Bolton and it had the highest day two conversion rate. Was that at 100%? The Pro Tour. No. No, I think it was about 75%. Yeah, he's, he's still ranked pretty lowly. Actually, <laughs> but again, there's also the argument that not many people at all play Bolton. Yeah, so th that's the thing with me. Like when I play um, card games, I tend to like uh, much spicier decks, uh, things that come out of nowhere. Mm. And I remember when I first played uh, when Push the Point came out in was it Crucible, and I I immediately saw the effect it could have with Drinthia if she can hit with a blade or even as a sort of a last attack. And I remember throwing it down a few times. I think one against Hayden and once against someone else. And they're like, oh, oh, so you got you're getting six damage off for one. Uh, yeah. If you can get it, so it, it was a lot of fun. So I like that sort of stuff. Spice, yeah, spicy, well, I, spicy. I don't, decks. I don't, not necessarily good, but I, yeah, I actually. But that's see, funnily enough, I don't think you you can succeed at any game without something unique. Like yes, you can't just copy. <laughs> like you can't. Like the well, people it, that it does happen. <laughs> no, no, no. But but that's it's not harder enough. to do in flesh and blood. Yeah, but it's not enough. Magic. Like that's that's it's the point. Harder. So if if you you know, Icelander went on a tear before um, before Uprising because people, you didn't know what's in her deck. So yep. you'd go Arcane Barrier and then she'll go with all these attack actions that you have no way of blocking. <laughs> yes. Like E-Strike for seven. You're like, yeah. huh? <laughs> and and that's important, I think. Same as like Dory. Every time I see like a very high uh, 
like a Dory win a progress. I go look at the deck and it's always not like mine. Oh, yeah. Like there's some building blocks, but then you're like, oh, it's this person went like front heavy Dory, not reaction heavy Dory. Because yeah. obviously people play around the reaction. So this person went, I'm going to put all the front heavy damage. Yeah. Hold. Yeah, go tall Dory. Hold a useless card in my hand and they're going to think it's a pump and it's a potion. Like, yeah. But you can do that when everyone else does something else. Yeah. And the, the whole Arsenal Pass crew did that for the Pro Tour. They never talked about Kano and then all turned up with Kano. Yeah. And they all day twoed and one of them top aided on yeah. Kano. Yeah. There was no... I. And it became the main talking point. Well, their f- friends that they train with internationally came up to me and they're like, man, we had no idea. Like they never Oh, really? Like <laughs> they <laughs> felt cheated. Like they're like, we've been testing. We tested our best decks. That's and really then funny. you guys, like they never, they never brought out Kano. Yeah. This is what I like most about Flesh and Blood is... You can net deck, but you can't. Mm. Um, not magic. It's just the way the game's built. So, and if for the example, person that made the deck doesn't tell you like, why they put the card exactly. in or when to play it, it's, and we were like sideboard, you yeah, have no idea how to exactly play it because it's pre-board. Mm. You mm. sideboard before the game. Mm-hmm. So, in Fab DB, it doesn't tell you that. Sometimes you don't even know which cards are sideboards, which cards aren't. If they unless the person they did it, yeah. unless the yeah. person did it, and then. Even if they did it, like I said, they're, they're, they're pre-boarding, so you don't know what what the core of the deck is or what mm. matchups they're bringing. Yep. Anyway, I think that's really good because a it 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 leads to more innovation, but b it allows you know the real uh, thought leaders in the community that are very good at brewing up decks. Yep. it allows them to um, if they wanted to. Um, make content or whether they want to monetize it to talk people through that because it's not a... Which some people do, like Drew. Drew Cordell yeah. uh, basically monetizes his deck tech for his, a lot of his Guardian builds and stuff. It's not an <coughs> autopilot like Magic. It's very easy to, to get a, a list off Goldfish or something and you can just see the sideboard and see what's going on. It's yep. it's quite easy to work yep. out. Where Fab, I think it's a little bit harder than Net Deck. Yeah. One, one thing about that though is there's a lot of players actually asking for uh, either multiple sideboards or the ability to show on FabDB yes. what cards are being sideboarded versus either certain heroes or certain classes. That'd be great. Yeah, uh, it's hard to do. That sure, yeah, yeah. Doing, but yeah, it's it's definitely in the on the roadmap there. So oh, really? You yeah, can so include watch that for it. Yeah. Because yeah. oh, wow. that's like oh, wow. if, if you were gonna teach me, oh, the Timmies will love you, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> the Timmies will love you. Like, I I am um, Hayden gave me his prism list to play at a pro quest, and then he had to literally write me a block of text with play this against that, mm. that, that, that yeah. this in, this out, this in, this out, this in, this out. It's quite lengthy and complicated. Yeah, you gotta know what you're doing. Well, mm. There was someone at the, um, at the call-in in New Jersey. I don't know the person. I was just walking the tables, looking around. They had a tablet with a spreadsheet. Yes. Like literally with yeah, a yeah, tabulated yeah, yeah. spreadsheet at the start of the game, they saw the hero. And they're just Scroll looking down, at the spreadsheet. Yep. yep, okay, I need to put that card in, that card oh, out, wow. that card in, that card out. <laughs> yeah, like a full-on, you know, iPad tablet. By the way, that person, that deck. If it was your deck, you don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's fine though. Like He had a full-on spreadsheet mm. matrix of like all the heroes, everything. It is really interesting how, how the sort of top players... Uh, so you're talking before about how Hayden and those boys basically like kept that secret tech away from everybody. I remember playing against Sa- Sasha Markovic before mm. the calling in 2020, which is honestly one of the most... Favorite events I've ever been to. One because I got to meet all these amazing people. Two, sorry, where was that calling? Uh, in Auckland. Oh, cool. uh, yeah. So I went over there just, just before COVID hit, and then uh, my wife and I went to Waikiki 
Wahiki, yeah, Waikiki Island just off of Auckland. So it was, a, it was a gorgeous day. Anyway, I played Sasha. He's, I think I'm pretty sure he was playing Ninja that day as well. And he absolutely just destroyed me without, without even trying. But I remember him talking about, he gave me like heaps of good advice stuff afterwards. So, you know, I should have been doing this, blah, 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 which is great. Uh, but I remember him reading his article about his Ninja that won that and how after seeing every, what everybody was playing, the day beforehand at the Battle Hardened event, he basically changed. went and changed, I think, like 25 cards out of his deck. So, yep, he's got to do this, 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 and this, and ended up winning. So he just, he just knew. He just knew what he had yep. to do. And was that uh, like construct, classic constructed? Classic constructed, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. It, easily my favorite format. Like, I'm not a, not a big fan of it. Katsu? Was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, Katsu, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Katsu was, uh, it was uh, one of the defensive builds. And also, um, Roy was working with a deck like that at the same time as well. So it was pretty interesting. Yep. So just really heavy defense reactions and just Kadachi. Yeah, there was a matter with with Ninja. That's why Warrior was so difficult because if everyone's got defensive reactions. You can't play around them on Warrior. You, you yeah. just can't. So it was, it was either go tall or try and but go you, wide with Dory. The meta or, now, yeah. because Starvo just LL'd, yeah. no <laughs> defense reactions. It's great with Dory. You're just having a field yeah. day. Because, yeah. yes, yeah, some decks have D-reacts, but most of them don't. Yeah. yeah. D-reacts, you know, like when Fire's going 12 chain links what deep for? yeah it's kind of like <laughs> well, no no why do you want By a defense reaction when they're you going must, 12 you have to put in is that all you got that you have to now in every deck it's that yellow d react blocks three but if it blocks two or less attack you draw a card when the blocks are done oh, oh that new card yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah. But, oh, but because the so good. because is of the meta got? love it because of the meta you just have that in the like in your sideboard you Uprising's go any ninja you put it in Uprising's it's literally it replaces itself pull to pull to it replaces the, itself oh, phenomenal the generic majestics in uprising are Nuts. really good they finally really did good. it right people people i love um i haven't, I haven't even bought uprising yet it's the first that we actually haven't invested into the i'll give you a box the on the way up no no it's okay i'm, I'm not asking for one but i was like it's it's unfortunate because the reason why haven't is just because I just know I'm not going to get to it. Like I've bought yeah, yeah. so many cards and stuff in the last year. I just, it's just not going anywhere, unfortunately for me, for me personally. Look, it, it, you can't do everything. No. Funnily enough, this is like the same exact conversation you have with people that talk about the price of the game. Like, man, if you're worried about the price of cards, stop playing. Yeah. Like go. The thing is I really want to buy enough, hustle. I think that's the problem. No, no, so for you, it's definitely not a money thing. It's like, if I don't have time, why would I buy it? And yeah, it's I just, just completely time, yeah. fine. Like yeah. if you're living a productive life, you're not like stoned out of your head, sitting on the couch, don't have time. Like you're actually productive. Like, can't be both. <laughs> I was Stoned made, and programming. I, I made the joke on purpose. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't like Kirk. I'm sure you've been there. But, uh, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like it's not it's anymore. Just, if Years you don't ago. have time, don't play. You should not complain. Like oh, it takes too long. There's no. Just this is just a game. Just a game. You don't yep. have to spend money. You don't have to spend time. Like, if you, I do want the dragons though. I, I want all the dragons. They're so gorgeous. Good. I have a full dude. I have a max uh, no. rarity Dromai. <sighs> like the black ash wings. I have ten now. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, the Marvel ones. Question though, like October 2019, started playing the game. November, FabDB starts. <clears throat> what have you thought 2022, we're actually having the first flesh and blood world championship in San Jose? Like, did you actually think this game was going to stick? Yes. You really? Th- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, right from the start, I was like, yeah, this game's not going anywhere. It, it really came down to market conditions more than anything, in my opinion. Uh, I've talked to this about this before on the, uh, various podcasts, like the challenges they had with having the stores to kind of pick it up. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest problem. But I knew the game was sold and I knew the collectability was there. And so I, I knew that they were sort of supporting multiple fast. And we know now, in hindsight, that first edition versus the limited is not a great yep. sort of approach to that. 
that's good. We've, we've learned from that and move forward. Uh, and other games are still doing that, unfortunately. Um, so hopefully they, they learn from that as well. But yeah, no, I, I, I knew straight from the start, especially once I got to the calling in um, Auckland, I was like, oh man, this game just has legs for days. Mm. And, and you're still go. bullish about the future of Fab? Like next oh yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, I think... I talked to this before, uh, with um, Andrew uh, as well. I, I think I, I get the feeling or the gut. I, I can't know for sure, but I get the gut feeling that um, Flesh and Blood has hit sort of like a soft ceiling. Uh, and it's just, it's needing something to kind of push it beyond that. It could be the Worlds event. It could be a new set. Um, Uprising definitely did some really good things for it. Like I said, like the traffic patterns on February is a little bit different with Uprising compared to other sets. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, like in terms of like failed sets, for, for me personally, for traffic, Tales of Aria didn't do very well. Yeah. Um, whereas, I was, I was about Everfest to say- like, was a huge spike. Uprising is a huge spike. I don't know if you see mm -hmm. this, but th this is my take because I'm also invested in the game. Mm. I think what we've seen is actually a massive loss of players- and a massive gain at the same time, which yes. looks like static. Yeah, absolutely. I, I and that's what's happening on um, Patreon. Uprising, correct. And Uprising, um, so Everfest was good. Uh, paper packs, great set. The art was great, all that. But I think when you when your tails flopped, when I say flopped, too much of it was printed. First Ed's still in the stores today, like yeah. right now. And as as the set goes, the heroes in it are fairly complex. Like if you're a Dory player, That's to jump onto Lexi with fusing and everything, yeah, to me yeah. it, it just went way over my head. Yeah. And also zero cards in the set, zero that I would play on Dory, zero. Yeah. No generic like that I would. Not, well, not well, uprising cards. they went back to. <laughs> There's you want to collect dragons, sure, but there's also like literally five generic majestics that you would put in a lot of decks anyway. I think what we've seen is the whole monarch uh, print number thing and and investors and people leaving and whatever. You had a a, a couple of metas that were pretty rubbish, like the Starvo meta. Yeah, now yeah, you've Starvo got uprising. I, th I think you probably lost a chunk of people, like a chunk yeah. who might take like a lot of people. The same as PC games, Path of Exiles. <clears throat> Uh, will miss a season but because they're invested in the game they might come back you've got like uprising i think a lot of people have skipped uh everfest kind of thing like yep. you had tails since monarch people maybe were on the fence tails they're going ah fuck this and then they've potentially skipped and you've lost a big chunk but you've gained a big chunk and it looks static but yep. what you need is to continue now with fab 2.0 if, if they have it like the set at the end of the year is the everfest version of uprising which is supposed to be brings back heroes like Bolton and stuff potentially yep. that, that that's it's not um one thing they need they just need to keep doing it well yes. and i think they had that couple of hiccups quite big ones monarch yep. was a big hiccup because of the pricing uh, for, and for a lot of reasons uh, they Correct. also had product issues around that time just getting it into players hands so but but to go back to a positive <clears throat> what you're saying and why, why i'm bullish on the game the fact that they succeeded at all yes <laughs> exactly in a paper only product and then during COVID, both miraculous. Like, yep. you, no investor would have given you money if you said, "Look, we're going to make a card game. It's it's a bit like Magic, but not. But there's no online client." <laughs> I think actually a lot of the people mean? that got uh, sort of involved from an investment perspective have mostly left, to be honest. But the, um, and the reason yeah. why I say that is because uh, sort of looking at sort of the sales and stuff that sort of pop up in the various groups and that sort of thing. Yeah. The type of sales now is much more a healthy sort players. of just yeah, players, just players, players to players. Whereas if you go back sort of like a year ago, particularly during the peak, people were just like selling collections off left, right, and center, which which made sense. Yeah, you know, it was I made, think made a lot of money. Yeah, like at the end of the day, like you know, the worldwide market conditions, the economies are softening that's worldwide. True. Okay, inflation, and that's the next big challenge. For and LSS. And exactly. So you know, this mm. is a luxury game. 
you know, people can – we might see people choosing to play this game as affordable. So when it comes to Patreon, like people are going to start – so when I – I guess what I'm saying is like if people try and measure the game's health on Patreon subscriptions or, or things of this nature, I don't know if that's the best way to go about it because if people are playing this game and they're having, you know, hard times – they're the things they're going to cut back first. Yep. Mm. Um, those very discretionary items, or buying that extra play mat, or or doing those extra things. Yep. Like people are just going to bear yeah, play back mats and sleeves. Last thing are the first things to go. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then the cards. Yeah, that's yep. right. So like the, the, I, it's going to be interesting. Like typically recessions don't actually last that long. Even like the GFC in two thousand eight didn't even last that long. Like usually these things do are, pre- are pretty <laughs> short. <laughs> usually those things don't last long. So hopefully this one you know will be sweet by next year. But it is something to you know um, be aware of. I'm actually much more bearish on the market itself than than the game. Um, I, I, I think I think the challenges have only really just begun. We've got inflation. We're going to get really technical into finance now, aren't we? Um, the inflation rate's up to seven percent. Um, there's every uh, sign that's going to go up considerably higher than that. Um, the cash rate's expected to be hitting two and a half percent by the end of next year. Um, it's not good signs for people that want to enjoy games. No, but also. Th- I, I don't know. I was having these thoughts two years ago. Like, all right, COVID, no recession, all this stimulus money. Yeah, no, it was too early. Because no, no, that's no, what no, this no. through but, the but economy. But what I'm saying is that this stuff isn't free. None of this is free. Oh, yeah. Every minute you sat at home not working, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't free. Yeah. At some point, and this, is, this feels like, okay, now things are so opening up back now. up. Yeah. Now we're paying up. Correct. Yeah. It, it's, there was no no way that you just come back to normal, no. which was weird when it felt like everything was normal. It, it was like, it's impossible. What I thought was really interesting though, um, actually, I don't even know if this is the right time to kind of talk about it, but just sort of the policies around COVID, mm. right? I'm talking specifically about New South Wales, not, sure, not, yeah, yeah. not globally. Where, like where we all live, yeah. I was always really against sort of the lockdowns that they had. I said, mm. I've always had faith in the public to do what they felt was right for themselves um, instead of sort of the government forcing us. And you know, everyone's like, no, we need lockdowns, blah, blah, blah. But then if you remember, uh, was it Nathan Peritet, whatever his name is, um, lifted the lockdowns, but then we sort of had that spike in COVID straight after. I'm not sure if anyone noticed this, but most people, particularly people who were scared of sort of COVID, stayed home. Yeah. Like they stayed the hell away from the streets and everything. Yeah. And I think that's what would have happened. Uh, and you wouldn't have needed, I think, the sort of the strong injection of cash and stuff that we did. So no. I but think they really screwed up. You could always tell from the initial reaction to COVID that no one knew what the fuck they're doing. It hmm. doesn't matter what side of what you believe in. No one knew what they were doing. It wasn't you, especially yeah. the politicians and no fucking idea what they're doing. <laughs> and it's not like they went and found the world's leading epidemiologist or whatever they're called and go, hey, you lead this. It's like, oh, this is the chief of police for New South Wales. He's going to decide. I'm like, that guy's going to decide. The and yet still Flesh and Blood did really well. <laughs> That's the crazy thing, right? Yeah. But but it's still, I think... It's crazy. Because you've been around, around, Kirk, in the 90s. How many games crashed? Like, I remember all... I wasn't across my, that many games, to be honest. But, like, even the mm. basketball card market, like, the card markets crash, like... People oh, yeah, have true, a yeah. short-term but again, memory. I don't, I like don't if think you've been around blood, long enough, can, like that's what I'm saying. It's a, but that's what I'm saying. It's a miracle. Game. It's a miracle. Yeah. Flesh and blood survive. People don't understand that. Like to have their first pro tour before year three of the game, mm. and to be like in these times, COVID times, economic times, and you're still getting a couple thousand people in a convention center. <clears> yeah. It's amazing. By the way, that's going to be the telltale am- sign. Is, it's amazing. Is yeah. the callings coming up? There's one in Singapore, one in New, um, New Zealand, Battle Harden. But then you got Pro Tour Lil and you got Worlds this year. Yep. Like Jersey was full. 
like over full the venue. They could have easily. It looked amazing. I wish a I could bigger have gone. venue, and yeah. they would have probably yeah. like they literally turned people away. Yes, unfortunately, it sounds like that part was not managed very well. It was Channel Fireball. I don't, <laughs> but no, no. But even the fact that it's Channel Fireball, no one's going to make excuses for. It. I think the event was good, but they would just had like. Man, they wouldn't refund tickets. Like, I had a calling ticket that I wasn't intending to use. I couldn't even refund it so my friend could buy it and play the calling. Oh. Like, they, yeah, exactly. They refused. Hmm. They're like, uh, I think oh, the was, systems were very archaic. No, no, there's they no such thing, man. I'm no, sure no, they that, could. That, that, could be, that could be the case as well, or at least a contributing factor for sure. What's your, what's your guys' take on sort of the um, takeover from TCG Player? What? I, I, I don't like, it seems like. An unhealthy monopoly to me, man. Well, no, that's I'm a curious. lot of fish in one basket. Now that's for sure. TCG player, Channel Fireball, uh, Bind Pause, and I don't know what else these those Channel Fireball's go, been going down the gurgle for years. Okay, so it was always bound to happen. Um, in my opinion, I can talk about I can talk about this for a long time. <laughs> okay, uh, whether how they've you know, they mismanaged their events when they went to Watsi and they wanted to run all the GPs worldwide and they over-leveraged themselves and then COVID hit. Oh. Uh, when they uh, put all their content on their website behind a paywall, that screwed them. Yep. Like many things. Like back in like, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, like Channel Fireball was untouchable. You know, their website, their traffic, they were the leading place of singles. They ran successful GPs in America, maybe, you know, Six or seven. Well, they're leading uh, even over TCG player. Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah, okay. for secondhand cards, like the, yeah, well. the TCG player is a different model. That's like where you and me can sell our shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking like a single place that sells secondhand <clears throat> cards. Like, geez, they had the largest uh, bots on Magic Online. Like, it, they were incredible, right? They really were. Um, so you know, they really screwed. That's they really screwed themselves, right? Yeah. Um, many many factors, but I think it was bound to happen. You know, people lose their passion, whether the owner did or whether things went sour mm. over time. So I think it's good. I think it's good they're out. Yeah, yeah but they're I not think, out. That's they're the they're not out though, yeah. Well, we, oh, don't, I mean, we, don't, we don't know all the details about yeah. the handover and these, you True. know, commercials can take a very long time. We we don't know what, uh, you know, they might have been paid a certain amount to stay on for 12 to 18 months to manage. Like, you don't know what the handover looks like on a commercial side. No one knows. It seems messy because, like, you've you got Card Shop Live. you got all these... What would usually be competitors are now in That's one. That's another project I'm working on as well. Yeah, <coughs> I don't well, think <laughs> if if it's TCG player for the Oceania region, or no. at least a, well, someone needs to do that. No, no, no. <laughs> I've got uh, something I think is relatively unique. I mean, it, the products like it exist, yeah, uh, but not for what I want to do. Uh, and it would be it would first launch in Australia if I'm to get get people behind it. Let us know. This is the, this is the problem, man. I, I have these ideas. I know they would do relatively well, but it's just getting the people and the time to do it that's mm. super super hard. Maybe you need like a, I mean, not a crowdsourcing thing, but I'm sure within the the, the fab sphere, if it's fab related or TCG sphere, the fab would be a part of it for sure. No, no, but like if it's TCGs and that's yeah. that, you got to find like a a communal thing where they'll all do it because it's not <coughs> about you paying or not paying, <coughs> but these projects work better when you can go. Everyone gets shares in it. Let's, let's yeah, it. it's you know what I mean? Yeah, it's getting to the point with me now where I've got these projects sort of moving and I want to move on to other things where I actually think I need to kind of get like a serious investor on board mm. that just want to go, okay, look, you know- we'll I need 100K this for this. Yeah, yeah. I, I need you know 500 grand to get this team together. We'll put this together. We'll have it launched by next year. You know, that sort of stuff. Because um, doing it by myself, I think there's, there's only so many hours I have to do the programming and stuff. So, What do you rate higher as a someone in the IT field, you know, successful- 
runs business, looks after people. What do you rate higher? Talent, raw talent or hard workers? Like literally, if you had to pick someone that had a base knowledge to know what they were doing, but they had an open mind, they could learn things, but they were an incredibly hard worker or someone that was very naturally talented, but inherently lazy. Hard workers for sure. 100%. And the reason why I say that is because, um, so <clears throat> I have a policy almost of not hiring juniors. Uh, and the reason for that is because uh, junior engineers, sorry, juniors, um, are a, a false economy uh, in the sense that you actually need someone to hold their hand to kind of get them up to speed. However, there are juniors out there. So we could say then that juniors sort of lack talent, right? Because they're, they're, they're not quite at that pace. But however, if you can find someone with the right energy and the right enthusiasm and the right attitude and they're hard workers, that junior becomes a senior within a few years, if that, because they're just, they, they just absorb everything and they do that. Uh, then you have seniors that just don't give a damn. Um, or intermediates just don't give a damn. And unfortunately, it's sort of, I've hired both where it just hasn't worked out because they just don't want to put the energy into it. They're not hungry anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so juniors can do that. So <clears throat> I would take hard work over talent any day. Because even if they don't have the talent, they, you can sort of train and mentor people to get the talent uh, and, and learn that. So, Yeah, I'll look, I've managed plenty of people over the years and I'd have the same thing. I'd always look for <laughs> attitude. Uh, aptitude's important, but yeah. definitely aptitude and hard work, I think, trumps it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are there are people out there also that like that they can work really hard, but if they don't have sort of the right uh, feet underneath them uh, for whatever it is that they're doing, they can be really problematic. Um, I, w I won't say who it is, but uh, we at my sort of day job, we had these this competitor in Australia, and this competitor in Australia wasn't doing a particularly good job, uh, and so we we basically like wiped wipe our asses with them to put it bluntly um, in the market uh, and the reason for that is because uh, they just didn't do a good job but unfortunately the lead engineer that they had just wasn't uh, wasn't very good and the reason why I know this is because he actually ended up applying for one of our jobs um, and so I had a feeling I was like you know is this easy is he kind of just trying to get information from us and I ended up talking to him and I talked to him yeah I gave him some stats and stuff just kind of like just subtly let them know like where we are in the market and what they're up against and he, he was one he was blown away by you know sort of how were we done but also his skill set like even if I wanted to hire him I, I, I couldn't because his skill set just wasn't there and he'd been working in sort of IT and programming for say 15 years but he was missing so many concepts to make him a really good programmer that I'm just like and I gave him some like some really sort of hard harsh but honest advice I said look like you're just not at a level that I could hire you I said you need to learn this you need to kind of get up to speed on these things these concepts these technologies I said you know and then maybe we could talk um, and unfortunately for him, I could tell he's a bit deflated after that. I said, but but the, the reason why I told him is because I was in his position when I was sort of ten years into my career, in the sense that I I knew how to develop. I wasn't an engineer, and uh, so I, I make a distinction between developers and engineers. Engineers being people that can develop, but develop in such a way that it has longevity in the products that you're building, so that you know ten years from now, twenty years, it still works and it works in a really good fundamental way. Um, but I didn't have engineering skills. And I ended up joining Westfield and I joined a team of engineers that were just, just slapped me silly. It's like, this is what you need to be doing. Um, and that set my career on a really good sort of tangent uh, and, and path. And so I'm hoping I did this for that guy by being kind of, you know, giving him some hard truths, but y you never know. So what would you be your number one advice, Kirk? Young person, finish their HSC, maybe 19 or 20. Mm. They haven't gone to uni. They're just floating. They're working, you know, smart enough. They want to get into IT. They want to get into programming. What would you recommend how to start? Like just a complete person. They love games. They have an interest. They play around with, you know, mods and things like that. So that, you know, mm. they're into that. But 
Like, what, what advice would you give that 19, 20, 21-year-old how, how to break into the industry, whether it's through tertiary education mm. or ex- work experience or building a portfolio? What would be your advice? Uh, I would first say build things that you want to use uh, because there's nothing worse than sort of building products that you don't really find any value in. Um, and I've built, I've built heaps of those where I'm just like, uh, like you, you don't, you don't, um, you end up not having the energy to kind of really sort of push it forward, which is why I think FabDB has done relatively well because I had that energy and passion to build a product that I actually want, really want to use. Um, and the second thing is, um, let's say for example, you want to get into game programming. Uh, it's a really highly competitive market. Um, there's a lot of people that want to get into games development, uh, but only very few actually get through. Um, I would recommend that you do things like build mods, you know, build mods for games and that sort of thing. Like get yourself known in communities. Yep. Uh, and then eventually what happens is the publishers start taking notice of you and the developers start taking notice. Of you. like, oh my God, they've done this amazing. Like let's say we want to do map design. You want to do level design. You Make just start, you, yeah, you learn how to build these hectic maps that everybody loves and suddenly boom, you know, the, the game company comes and says, we've seen your work, like come, come join us, do that. And that stuff happens all the time and the reason why it's so beneficial and valuable is just it shows that you have enthusiasm, it shows that you have passion and it shows you have an interest in wanting to do things and you don't need a company to carry you. It's like, I'm going to get there regardless, right? So, so you so. can basically <clears throat> enter into these industries without some sort of a, a formal qualification. Like I'm not you, formally trained. Like, Right, yeah, and that's the thing too. Like the, the the most brilliant people I know in IT aren't. Yeah, and I don't think you need to. Like you know, we're not talking about heart surgery here, where you know people's lives are literally on the line. Um, we're talking about sort of developing products and things for people to use, and mistakes can be made. You know, mistakes will be made, uh, and so people shouldn't be afraid to kind of jump and jump into things and just kind of get started on, on doing that sort of stuff. So your advice for a young person be, you know, do what you're passionate about, be obsessive. <clears throat> Definitely obsessive. Yeah, yep. be obsessive, yep. build things, showcase things, get involved in a niche community. Yep. And if you don't have a kid, bloody well work 16 hours a day. Like, get it, get into it. Yep. You know? It's a bit hard when you've got family and you've got other priorities and responsibilities. Once those things are in place, it's much harder to kind of invest that sort of time. I'm lucky if I can get three, four hours a day in now, right, with Lexi around. Whereas uh, early on in FabDB's life, I was doing at least 25 hours a week on top of my full-time job. Maybe more sometimes if I had, had the time. So, And my wife knew I was kind of getting a bit obsessive about this. So she, she kind of stayed out of my way, which was nice. <laughs> it was good. It helps when they know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she knew this one was a bit different. Because I have project ideas all the time and most of them go nowhere. Whereas she's like, okay, this, let him do what he needs to do. Um, before we end, I, I'm my main channel, Fluke and Box, is sponsored by FabDB. Why don't you give us the FabDB Patreon spiel? Uh, what, what do you mean? What do you get as a patron of FabDB? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> My apologies. Well, we're not going to be on Patreon for much longer. Kirk's nudes. Why would you pay for that? He sends them out for free. You're doing <laughs> yeah. it wrong. They're not, they're not dick pics though. They're just <laughs> ass cheeks. <you> know? <laughs> I thought we were friends, man. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was special. That's <laughs> Are you a patron member? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> no, there you go. That's why. Um, yeah, so I mean, we're moving off Patreon anyway. Um, so one of the big projects we're working on. Um, so Card Tech is sort of the parent entity. I'll, mm. I'll get back to your question in a second. So Card Tech is the parent entity, which I'm thinking of changing its name slightly. But Card Tech uh, manages FabDB, Wrath Times, Tech Labs, and some other things that are going on, uh, like this, you know, this Rivenstone app project and a few other things. Um, so it's basically you know just apps and community projects for these various games. Excuse me. Um, uh, and so we're looking to sort of bring it all together under the umbrella. So soon, I want to say soon. Next couple of months, you'll actually see when you log in, you'll actually be directed to the Card Tech website. You'll have your central account there and you'll just be logged in wherever you go. It doesn't matter where you go on the network, which is going to be awesome. Um, but in all, the reason why I'm doing that also is to build a subscription system 
there. Um, directly with, with you. Yeah, directly yeah. with me rather, rather than with um, Patreon. And I'm a little bit concerned about what that might mean. Um, you know, Patreon has sort of the network effects in the sense that if you've already got an account with Patreon, sort of signing up to pay, you know, be a patron of some other website or project is, is really easy. It's really mm. sort of tough. So I have a slight concern there. But um, Patreon, including exchange fees, that was about 20%. Mm. So it's it's a very painful, costly exercise. Uh, so anyway, so anyway, um, the reason why I bring that up is because I mean you can sign up for Patreon now and you'll get all the benefits of stuff and you, you'll never lose those regardless. Um, and in fact, uh, the Patreon uh, membership will be slightly cheaper. So once we sort of move the subscription based on the same bit. tier or whatever, yeah, it'll be slightly more. Um, just because I mean I haven't increased the prices in what we're going on for almost on four years now. Going on, yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be four years next year. So, um, so going on, oh no, it'll be. Yeah, we'll be going on four years. Sorry. Four years next year, yeah. Yeah, four years next year. <clears throat> um, so, you know, if you want to sign up and, and support the project, then uh, now's a good time to do it because once we move off Patreon, the, the prices will be going up just a little bit. Anyway, so um, the, we have multiple tiers. Uh, we have one tier, effectively, or have sort of one price tier for Wrath Times, which is five bucks, but you get that by actually signing up to FabD as well. FabDB as well. So once we set up the subscription system, you won't have to do that. Uh, the, re the reason why I did that was actually just to kind of keep it Simpler, um, but once we have our sort of multi-product subscription system, you can just sign up for the you know, rough times, whatever. But if you sign up to FabDB, it's only three bucks a month, and the base sort of level um, support you get is uh, open to the gallery view on the deck builder, uh, which means you get all of the gorgeous images and stuff in the deck builder itself. Some people like that view, some people don't. Some people prefer the list view; it just depends on how you like to work. Uh, but I quite like it and you get a sort of a preview with that with the sideboard actually if you use a sideboard function yep. you sort of see what the gallery view looks like um, in addition to that you also get sort of draft mode um, if you go up to majestic tier you get um, sealed mode as well which is pretty interesting so you get your six packs you draft your cards and you can build your deck just from those cards um, and then if you go up to legendary tier then you also get things like <clears throat> the team sealed which I think was first was, uh, was that the first event that uh, Channel Fireball did? They did the Team Sealed event, I think. Uh, anyway, the cool thing about that is you sort of set up a Team Sealed um, sort of round uh, and you just send the link to your friends who also have a FabDB account and then you can basically do the, the sealed thing together and it shows you who's got what cards and what decks and all that sort of thing, what they've drafted. <clears throat> so it's really good for Team Sealed practice. Um, and then in, just in addition to that, you've got things like avatars and, and a few other sort of features around the side. So... There's a lot of stuff there. And then all of them have sort of a plus mode, which gives you Wrath Times access as well. So Legendary, Legendary Plus, Majestic, Majestic, Majestic Plus. Actually, before we end though, Kirk, I really need to... Th thanks for sharing that Patreon. I don't mean... When you said Avatar, just tweak something in my brain. I have wanted to talk about this on the podcast, but I couldn't think of a better person to speak <laughs> to about this. Really, I couldn't. And I've spoken about it on my channel. Now, did you play Magic at all? Uh, yeah, early 90s. I actually played beta. Oh, and I have okay. none of those cards left, unfortunately. Right. But <clears throat> Well, in the you know 2000s up until maybe they nuked it in 2017 or 18, I can't remember exactly, they had a, uh, a Planeswalker point system, similar, oh, yeah, yeah. similar to Gem, right? Yep. So you'd log on, you'd get a certain amount of points per win. Yep. Okay, you accumulate a certain amount of points in a year, and then uh, when you attend a GP similar to a calling if you have yep. enough points you get a buy in the first round yep. if you hit a certain threshold oh, wow. you get two buys however though um, uh, depending on uh, different things you did you could change your avatar and then you had uh, little achievements that you could unlock oh yeah gamification so, yeah, yeah yeah awesome so like okay you've played in seven different continents so you'd be like a Rome uh, like, a, like <laughs> a world like crucible of the world's like that card, you'd, you'd have access to that symbol and it would be on your icon. Or you've um, won 
you know, four FNMs in in a certain amount of time, mm. you'd be like an assassin, yeah. and then you could go up different levels. To, like it would be with armories, you win a certain amount of armories. You, anyway, how like I just think there's so much space for LSS to expand in their gem account system. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I really think like it's. In my mind, I don't know, I'm not a programmer, I don't know how expensive this stuff is to implement, but instead of like sending more price support to stores, printing more things, logistics, all that, I would love, love to see the gem account system expand where you unlock achievements, you have avatars. They have talked have, about this before. Have they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They talked about it, I think, maybe in 2020 or early 2021. Jeez. But they talked about sort of gamma, certain gamification features oh, that they wanted to bring to the gem God, system. It speak but so I don't good. know whether that with that or like is that hard to implement from a programmer perspective? Like how hard would it be to implement something like that? Like you have little symbols, avatars, like different. Yeah, rankings, it's, it's not a hard system unlocking. to build. It's just very time consuming in the sense that <clears throat> planning out all of these achievements um, and tracking them is, is probably the, the hardest part. But um, it's not a particularly complex system. Like for, for my game, I'll absolutely be having sort of stuff like that. And I've thought about doing it for FabDB as well. Uh, so the gamification, you know, you've created five decks, you get you know, a certain badge or whatever, mm. those sorts of things. So um, yeah, I, I mean, they've I definitely mentioned it before. So yeah, you know, I just, I just don't think LSS, it's high on their priority. There's some of this stuff. Exactly. Like they're definitely, they're struggling. I've offered to join them too. Mm. <laughs> but I, I, think, I think that's the sort of James. stuff that gets people playing more fab. Like I think these are easy... Low, I, I, low bearing is, fruit. It's easy to pick, <clears throat> and it just gets people playing more. If I, I I'd know, say it's a secondary benefit to the, the game itself, so that that's, that's the problem. true. And, and you're right. It's all about priorities. So. Of course, but if I had a sick, if you could look up the tall Timmy, and like I knew that like, I could unlock some traveling avatar, but I had to play in one more calling in one of the continents. So yeah. I'm like, right, I'm going to Singapore. Yeah, I'm going to Asia. I want to unlock that. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it. See, if right? they could unlock the gem system, I could do stuff like that on Fab2B. I could just look at your stats and, yeah. give, and, then, and, and give it on Fab2B. It's like, oh, look, you're a fucking, you're a wanderer. Or yeah, whatever. a wanderer. Yeah. I think yeah. they were called that. Or yeah. like you're an assassin. You've won like three armories in a row. You're okay, zero you've got to, a hot streak. Top eight, you know? And then they used to have different things like in a month, in a week, if you'd played <clears throat> certain amount of formats, so say if you've played Blitz, Constructed, Commoner, Draft, in one seven-day period, in a week, you unlock some achievement. Yep. Like you can set hundreds, of, dozens of yeah, these yeah. little things. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would try and unlock them all. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I'm I really kind of would. Well. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm obsessive like you, man. Like definitely. <laughs> like I would, like, you know, Fluke knows me, I am. Like I'm... I would do that. I would. I would. I've got know. a friend that's like that. That when he plays games, he only hundred percent them. Like that's what he does. Yeah, I, I do that. that. That's like if I had those little carrots, man. Timmy's love <laughs> carrots. We just love being on that that mouse on that treadmill, right? Yeah. Like that little spinning wheel. So, yep. like, that's so what I wanted to speak to you about. Like, is that hard? Is that a, a expensive, mm-hmm. complicated thing? It's not hard when you have the data the right way. Like, right? Because that's all it's doing is checking and then going. Like, I'd love to see that before more player rewards. Yeah, I know exactly how I'd build exact that kind of system because I've had it in my mind for ages. So I, I know exactly how I'd build it. Um, it. It's not necessarily hard, but I still think they would need months of development uh, and a couple hit, of engineers. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. I don't, I don't think, and this is, I'm guessing, but, but as far as I know, LSS is 30-ish employees. They're based in New Zealand. 
So they're also starved for talent. Like, no, there's not that there's no talent yeah, no, in no, New Zealand. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, they're it, not. Ex- they exactly. do not have the access you would if you're on the east or west coast of the US. So that's a great thing about like the way I work, mm. both in my company and with sort of card tech, is that I look to hire globally. I just want the best people. But my understanding is also New Zealand. Uh, sorry, Ellis want to hire local, and they want to import talent, <clears> and they've really struggled to do that with the COVID stuff they've yep. been especially because yeah New they, should, they should honestly they, look remotely but they've actually said that but they've said but they haven't been able to leave new zealand to even go like they don't need to you say that but i think they want to like i think that's how they want to hire that's how they want i, I know but yeah. my point is like i'm not doing uh, that there's other ways them. the yeah. kiwis yeah. love hiring locally but, but, Jeez, but, i tried to immigrate to new zealand in 2005 <laughs> and i applied for <laughs> i applied for a sales rep job over there in new plymouth oh my gosh and I literally got knocked back because they basically said to me, I'm sorry, you're not a local. It might and, have changed now. And that was with Mars, like the parent company. Yep. So it was a big company, right? But yeah, I basically got told, no, we only want to hire someone from you. And I'm like, my wife's from this city? Like, you know, I was like trying all the, and they're like, and I'm like, I've been there a few times. Nah, sorry. Like, so I know that. I know the You're Kiwi. too ocker. No, they'll I'm, never accept I'm you. I'm like the Kiwis <laughs> love hiring their own. I, like. I just, what I think was happening with LSS, and I could be wrong, but my, my gut is they are at capacity of what they can do till they grow. Like they're in that. Yeah. And, and I, like the programming aspect as a non-digital client is, I think is done in house, and it's I, done in house. But the thing is, I don't even know if they have a team there. Yeah, that, so this is what I'm saying. I yeah. don't think it's I like think it's just one a, guy. They don't have a dev team. Yeah, and that's that the companies that are like the way they're focused. They're more likely to hire more ops people to grow before they hire. Yeah, a Absolutely. company like like that in 2022 needs like five people in a marketing slash content role <clears throat> and five people in a dev role to get all this stuff happening. Cause yes. there's a lot missing, missing meaning if you compare it to what you yep. see out there. Yeah. But as it goes, their art is world-class. The yep. game system's world-class, but then you got this stuff like gem, which is not world-class. No, it gem's works. not world-class. The, the, the data d- management is but, awful. But you can tell, <laughs> but you can tell that, that they physically don't have the, the, the two, 300K a year worth of salary they should stick into it to make it world-class yeah. or to outsource. <clears throat> I do think, um, and this is a, a sort of a kudos mm. uh, to, to LSS, I think they sort of have sort of ruthless prioritization in place in the yes. sense that, um, that there are certain things that they're willing to accept that they will sort of let slide or not be as good yeah. just to make sure that the product I, does I'll well. tell you now, right now, right yeah, all, all, all their money is going into new sets and organized play. Like yep. they're organized play. Like Jersey, phenomenal. The yep. rewards, the 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 spoilers, the like just well and they'll be like that for a couple amazing. more years, I think, before they really start to push yeah, on the tech stuff. But, like but my at- my advice would be exactly what you said. Just just let the community do it. Like if you if you go, we don't want to spend the money on making gem what it, we want it to be. Work with someone like FabDB. Yeah. Maybe maybe get people like you see you got a judge program and it's like gem needs to be internal though that's the thing it needs no, no, to be an internal I'm system saying, but <clears throat> they could let access so you you could then then on fabdb.net I could have my little icons or I can input my deck yes that kind of that's what I'm saying just let other people do it you still control it still your API like you can also flick the switch if you yeah ever if you don't want to do it anymore yeah yeah. <coughs> Yeah. But let, let the community mod. That's that's the simplest way to put it. Yeah. All the best games in the world. The thing is, even to get to that point that they need someone to develop. I, I could be wrong. I think it's Rob that does the programming, but I, yeah. I, I could be wrong on that one. Um, 
Hi Rob, how you doing? What well, if um, it's Rob? That's not a full time job, though. Uh, <clears throat> but the point the point I'm getting at there is that even if they have a full time person develop an API to support Gem properly, um, you're looking at a lot of work to yes. kind of get that going. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, I think it's just ruthless prioritization, which I think is a really good uh, approach to have, particularly on sort well, of startups. Small, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're a start. <clears throat> they have to right now. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, all companies should do it. Honestly, a lot of companies don't. They haven't even hit their third anniversary yet. No. Like. In year two, Watsi didn't have all these systems in place. Like, these things take time. Yeah. Like, they do take time. And like you said, their prioritization's ruthless and they're focusing on new sets and OP, which they should be. Yeah. It's core tenets of the game. Hopefully, as the company expands, they can, they oh, can we'll do see different a lot, things. I'm sure. You know, um, but that's one of my big, big wish lists for Flesh and Blood is really, like you said, gamifying, is it? Or yeah, the gamification. Gamification of the gem system. It was really big in tech and sort of like companies and stuff like maybe like seven, eight years ago, like everybody wanted to do this all of a sudden and it just disappeared really quickly because they realized for corporates, it doesn't really make much sense. <laughs> I'd love to have an avatar with badges and all Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be awesome. On my gem account and yeah. you could see it like when you see the 90 day XP, the lifetime XP, it actually shows their name, their avatar, their badges that they've achieved and it's one of those things that's still missing from FabDB actually is like you can't see the author of a deck. Like no. if you go to a public yeah. deck view, you Correct. can't see the author and go to it, even though like that all that stuff is linked up and ready to go. That would be great because I uh, there's a lot of trash Again, decks on FabDB like that not. people have built <clears throat> labeled competitive and you look at it, you're like, dude, yeah. you have four blues in the deck. How is that even working? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, It'd a be lot great of if I could go, which decks did Arsenal Pass actually make and go- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And actually um, Zach from Team Covenant asked me if we could sort of do certain features on FabDB so that they could kind of link to decks and yep, yep. have the videos and stuff. There. I was like, it sounds awesome, but I just, don't know when I'm going to be able to get to it. So, yeah, um, but fair. to kind of come back to the gamification, if I was to do that on FabDB, which there's a stack of stuff I could do around that, no problems. Um, you then need to make the community sort of center stage because people want to see the avatars, they want to see the you know the nice kind of frames and stuff they've got there, uh, any badges they've unlocked, that sort of thing. Um, and FabDB, it's not so really so much about community; it's more about sort of the content that everybody's producing. Yeah. Um, so it, it would need a shift, I think, in design as well, um, which I'm doing anyway. The card view, the deck view, all these things are all could be changed pretty soon so for the better looking cool. forward to it yeah <clears throat> should be good alright guys we'll end it there thanks Kirk for spending thanks, the yeah, night that with was us. awesome Kirk yeah. cheers mate <laughs> <laughs> let, let us know when, when all these new projects hit we'll, we'll pump it on our socials as well sure and I'd love to test out the new format we'll do a world premiere <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. If it's like new, don't even tell us what it is. I won't. Like, I'll you come in. We'll play. Give us decks. We'll hit record, yep. and we'll yep. we'll get first impressions. Like so real what ones. What do you think? Before Christmas, we'll get you at an armory. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, Sweet. Yeah, no, there's there's things I need to get away. Like this whole this whole card tech project needs to be out of, just out of my hair. It's been on my list for at least a good twelve months. So get that out of the way, and then I can focus on my game. Once I'm focused on my game, then I can start gaming. Sweet. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, um, we'll Thanks see boys. you guys soon. Thanks Cheers for coach. watching. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. That was great. <laughs> <laughs>